was what you call it. It's, I was trying to think of stuff for this episode, mm. and I'm like, the TV section. I'm, I'm like, I don't watch TV. Yeah, but it's like weird. Netflix counts, even though it's mm. not TV. Yeah, well, uh, it's I, not I TV. That, I found it tough for this, and I was just saying to Johnny earlier because there was a lot of good shit I watched this year, but it wasn't from 2018. Right, so the yeah. actual stuff that was released in 2018, I was looking through and it was it was pretty slim pickings. I do have a good one, um, but when I was looking back over the year, it was like ah, I didn't actually watch much 2018 shit. Yeah. You know. Well, uh, then to to kick us off, this is our end of year uh, episode. This is us kind of doing a, a roundup of 2018 and possibly even looking into the the future of the irradiated wasteland that we can look forward to in 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just about to say that this might be our last end of year episode because <laughs> yes. by, by this time next year, we may no longer need calendars. <laughs> we just have the before time and the now, the now now in the hot zones and that's about it. Like, so. I, was, I love that meme that's going around where it's like, uh, you know, the problematic nature of uh, baby, it's cold outside the song because I'm going to have to explain to my grandkids that it used to get cold outside. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Uh, uh, so I'm Johnny so Lynch. Talking, Go on, I'll do the thing. I'm Johnny Lynch. That's Glenn. We're joined by a returning champ, Kev. Hello. We're here to examine how tropes bleed across movies, TV shows, and video games. Welcome to Dystropia. Yay! Thank you. Yay! You Thanks for having me again. This yes. is my third time. For yeah, this it season. is. That's, a, know, that's why you're a returning champ. Yeah. Has anyone done more than three? No, just no? A, just Alexa who listens to everything we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but basically, I win. So yes, yeah, absolutely. Win. That's yeah. Yeah. You're officially our sidekick. Yes. Um, and it's always nice to have you over because I, I, I clean the apartment a little bit and it's all that nervous energy of cleaning before a date without having to actually go through with a date. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do count this as a date. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's date night. I'm going to hang out with Johnny. It's like, I don't know what you boys get up to, but I don't like it. <laughs> He's going to break out the flamingo glass again. <laughs> you know what that leads to. <laughs> Every time, and, and it's worth pointing out that sitting across the room from me is a big stuffed flamingo, pink flamingo, looking right at me. Yeah, and staring right at me. I mean, yeah. there's not a lot I can say about that. Yeah, it's, I'm not. I'm not going to say I feel uncomfortable, but this is know. this is his house and you're a guest, yeah. so you need to. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, so we're covering uh, not just like we're kind of looking back over the year. It is Christmas time, so we'll just kind of quick mentions for our various Christmas nostalgia stuff. I oh, know I've, I've um, got a lot prepared for Christmas. You're gonna love yeah. it. Yeah, you're gonna love oh, okay. it. Okay, great. Uh, I'm, gonna start, um, I'm gonna start with a song as well. Oh well, then well let's oh, get, brilliant. Let's get right into it. So what, please do. What, 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 what key are you singing? In? <laughs> do you need more space? Do you want me to? Yeah. Okay, I'm not actually gonna sing. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, so film. We'll, we'll start with the, the Christmas bit anyway. Then so. Cool. Um, and then if people lose interest they can wander off afterwards but everybody will listen to the end of the podcast <laughs> and then share it with everyone that that's good. Chris, that's Christmas presents just give people a I don't know a link a yes. link. can yeah. you can you gift wrap a HTML link to our SoundCloud and just like give that to people yes I'm sure we can we can say click here and each letter in here is a different color and it's the it's a beautiful Aww. link so we'll send that around if you want to be really obnoxious you could print the link and give them a piece of paper and make sure it's a really complicated one that they have to type you know yes. forever oh no 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 QR codes everyone loves QR codes <laughs> yeah, do yeah. oh good I have to download that app on my phone again that I deleted because I've never used it and then get that fucking work I actually I actually use it over here for a lot do I you? can pay all every single one of my bills I can just open my banking app scan the QR mm. code and automatically put the value and the account number and everything else into a click pay and it just pays I, li- I literally scan three QR codes a month and that's all my bills paid so you're so you're learning the language and the local culture. That's that's great. That's that's really yeah. useful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can now say 
three things in Thai. <laughs> uh, is this one of them QR code? Uh, no, the QR bit is the same anyway. I'm going to guess chicken, uh, uh, beer, and uh, don't touch me. <laughs> I, I, I don't speak. I'm sorry, I don't drink beer. So come on, <laughs> that's incorrect. No, it's um, I can say hello, thank you, and foreigner. Um, so <laughs> I think your face says foreigner, but all right. <laughs> yes, this is true. This is true. Um, uh, all right, Kev, so yeah, what, what was films, your what's your Christmas, Christmasy movie then to, to okay, kick yeah. us off? Uh, my Christmasy movie was one that I watched yesterday. I mentioned in your stream, mm-hmm. uh, Glennon, is White Christmas from 1954. Fantastic, uh, a classic starring Bing Crosby. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. It's a movie from my childhood that we had on video, right? My parents were kind of into musicals and shit, and I always remember watching this on video but watching the film back yesterday i realized that i never really watched the film before Mm -hmm. that it was just on in the background probably what i was doing like coloring in or something right (laughs) whatever whatever i did and playing with lego whatever i was doing when i was a kid and the film was on so i remember the songs i remember a few key bits and then you know there were faces that popped up as i was watching movies ah the general i remember him like i remember that guy uh but i didn't really remember in the storyline or anything like that and it's a it's a strangely convoluted storyline um, of like two guys that were in the military and then one of them saves the other one's life. So he agrees to go into show business with them and then they get super successful doing that. And then they realize they want to get a couple of women in on the act. So yeah. they go look at these women who then run from the police for some reason. And then they follow the women up to Vermont because they're doing shows up there and they arrive so, in Vermont, but there's so no snow. I haven't, so. I haven't seen it in years and years. It, the military aspect is a big aspect to it. Yeah. Is this like a USO show recruiting kind of thing? Is this like what Top Gun was doing where they had like full support of the, the Navy and stuff like that? Was this supposed to get people into the military? It, you know what? It, it could have because like there's the whole big thing at the end. Like there was always, there was one moment that I found pretty uncomfortable where the general arrives to kind of like the final show that's happening yeah. um, in, in Vermont and he walks down. So what they did was they cleverly hid all his uniforms so that all he had left was his army uniform because oh, yeah, they had yeah. a whole big surprise for him and they wanted him to arrive in the army uniform but without telling him that that yep. that it was that there was a surprise there, right? And he's walking down the stairs in his uniform and his granddaughter's there and she's just fawning over him like she's looking at him so lovingly and it's it's just kind of uncomfortable. It's weird. It's, and then she's going up I and think hanging it's, out of him and it's I don't know, but it is, but it is really promoting the whole and I mean, respect where respect is due for, for you know, yeah. a, a lot of the guys that, that um, you know, had pretty impressive military careers and stuff. But it just seemed laboured. You know what I mean? It, it was forced. it was shot in the same way. That scene where he comes in and he is lionized. He is absolutely like yeah. this guy is yeah. the, the best. They shot it the, the way they'd usually shoot Grace Kelly, which is the Vaseline shot where it cuts to him as he's walking towards you. And it's all blurry around the edges. And it's, mm. it's like it's the such soft focus and things like that. I remember looking at that going, ooh, right, so this is, like, we're in love with this man. That's yeah, what you're telling yeah, yeah. me. That's yeah. that's a whole thing. I think, I, real quiet I, I, dignity I think when it was, like, given the time it was written and all the rest, I think it was more, they wanted to make sure that even though this character had to be, like, he's not a main character, but they wanted to emphasize his importance, but also the whole thing, like you're saying, is it a USO recruitment thing? Mm. I think it was more just a case of, like, um, you know, the the... the in the in post World War Two, they wanted to portray soldiers in something that wasn't just a war setting. Yeah, they wanted mm-hmm. to show that these were people who were, you know, that they are they they have hopes and dreams and they're loving, caring people. And because yes, there was like there was very much um, a massive element of hero worship um, mm. in American culture after the war and stuff like that, and rightly so. But and 
the general impression I've always gotten over the years from reading books and seeing interviews and all the documentaries was that they were all very humble about it. They were all very much just kind of there. There wasn't that whole cocky attitude. Yeah, yeah. To it, there was even a, there was even a song it, in the movie about this where it was the the general and it was like. You know what does the, the the whole point in the song was what does the general do after the war? It's yeah. like the people come yeah. home and these guys get jobs and these guys get jobs, but there's nothing there for the general. And it was almost like very much like we have to look out for these guys. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. It's, and it's like uh, so. I think yeah. I'm not necessarily like I don't think it was necessarily meant to be a recruitment thing. I think it was meant to be more of a we're trying to show them, you know, more than two dimensional. Mm, you know, yeah. because I, I think a, like there's probably element to it as well. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I think there would have been like like in the immediate uh, like four or five years after the war, I think anything and everything that would have come out about the army would have been very much battle and heroism related, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. you know so they they were probably like we will get you know we will we will do it differently. Let's actually show them being just you know what do they do when combat isn't an isn't an issue? It's uh, what's their what's the what's the other side of their yeah, their yeah. lives mm-hmm. like? It's really so. interesting to contrast it with the way uh, they do war movies recently. That you don't, they don't ever make a big deal of the officer and just normal enlisted man divide. And like back in the day, looking at that, the general and the, the mm. normal uh, guys, like the grunts, um, and things like Zulu, where like the officers were, you know, they're making plans, and like the guys who were out in the front line, they were two completely different yeah, sets of people. Yeah. And even I always think of the the Monty Python sketch with like the, a tiger in Africa, where they <laughs> the officers are all in their own tents, and one of them has had his arm ripped off and like his legs ripped mm. off, but they're so like plummy and upper crust that they they couldn't possibly even for a second like he goes he walks past someone and salutes him, and the guy who's saluting back his head just falls off. He's like, very good, sir. Very good, bully, bully. It's like the difference between officers and the normal enlisted yeah, is crazy. Yeah, yeah. But now you, if they did a war movie, it'd be like five lads in a platoon going through hell. And it would be like level playing field. Even even though there was an officer there, he would you know, like like lift the guys up, but yeah, he'd be yeah. he'd get getting his hands dirty as well. Yeah, lead, so, leading from the front, sort of. Yeah, exactly. Sort of image. And you know the 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 other thing about you know the when the film was made, I was interested to watch it, especially because of this baby. It's cold outside thing. I was one, I was watching kind of kind of with one eye on you know what are things that happened in this film that would not be okay these days, yes. right? And there wasn't there wasn't much. Well, to me, but I'm not easily offended. Someone might get offended by a lot of things in it, but there was nothing major there. I mean, the entire cast was white, right? They're like apparently in 1954 in America, there was, there was only white people. It's white yeah, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And then they did have one number, which was a, a minstrel number, and they sang about how much they missed minstrels and, and that whole thing. And I was like, all right, okay, that's 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 not great. But there was no blackface, but they were okay. singing about missing, yeah. missing minstrels and stuff. So. They were singing about, remember when we used to be able to do blackface? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was one scene where a woman was was, um, basically coming at a guy a bit strong, you know, the hand yeah. on the leg, pretty high up on the on the thigh, and and you know she was really laid it on on thick, and some people. Now you might say, oh, that's, Slut. That's, that's a bit, yeah. well, not even that, it was just a bit rapey, right? So yeah. it was, uh, but, but, but other than that, there was nothing, nothing majorly offensive, I thought. There's a Marilyn Monroe movie called The Fat Spy, and <laughs> I don't know where that name comes from, it's, uh, but there's a bit where uh, she tries to run away from a guy, and he lassoes her and pulls her back in for a kiss, and I'm sure at the time it was like, you know, this is a, a really fun moment. Yeah. But it's about them both being maybe trapped on, maybe it's not the fat spy, but it's definitely Marilyn Monroe movie, uh, where they're trapped on a bus going somewhere and it gets diverted and diverted and diverted. And I was like, speed. no. Speed, yeah. that was it, speed. 
uh, speed two, but with the a bu- the bus that couldn't slow down. <laughs> uh. um, but no, just that I remember seeing that scene and like him pulling her in for the kiss, and I was like, they've been trapped on a bus together for like a week. This isn't like this hasn't been them getting to know each other. This yeah, has been yeah. like proper cabin fever, Stockholm syndrome. In the movie. There's yeah. um, I in some in a, in a in a revelation that will surprise most of our listeners who actually know me. I actually really like White Christmas. Hmm. So and it's I, I I just think it's that whole it, it was a film that like like I grew up watching the Saturday and Sunday afternoon films on RTE where they used to do them a bit they used to do the matinee films on RTE and they'd show stuff from like the fifties sixties yeah. you know like and I was mm. like I was used to growing up with all with those kind of actors and stuff like that and I'd you know for years I'd heard about White Christmas obviously I'd heard the song for years and then one year it was on and I sat down to watch it and I was like this is really good yeah. And I, like I left it kind of a like you know just kind of a like it it didn't feel, um compared to a lot of Christmas movies it didn't feel like it was trying to force the wholesome, yeah it felt yeah. like it was just a naturally a nice story that happened to happen around Christmas mm. yeah, yeah and it, yeah. It, it whereas like a lot of the wholesome Christmas films you get are very saccharine and it's like yeah. this is just kind of like you're forcing it too much and you know it's. It, the, like and also like another one like uh, it's a wonderful life i always find those films are like yeah there's elements to it where you're like you know the characters are kind of sad or there's something goes wrong and they're like man that's shit and it's like well yeah that that that's what happens but there's still an overall positive feeling to yeah. it without it being yeah. no 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 everything's fine everything worked out perfectly no nothing bad ever happened and it's like well, no, it's not that. But like, it's got you know, an element of a, real life about it. You might even say, <laughs> in in a weird way, yeah, yeah. But 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 that's the thing. Like Christmas movies tend not to have that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's like, uh, and and there was uh, there's also another enduring memory I have of one year. Um, uh, I think it was either Christmas Day or Stephen's Day, but I think it was Christmas Day, and you know the dinners were all done, and I'm, it's like seven or half seven in the evening, and my mate Tasha, who lived like maybe like ten minute walk away. And I've known since like like first day of primary school, we were sitting next to each other. So I've known this woman like mm. thirty one years now, and we were maybe like 22, 23 And she messaged me and she's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like just sitting in the gaff playing games because, you know. And she's a little like, "There's nothing to do." And she and she was like, "We're having a film night. Do you want to come over?" And I'm like, uh, "All right, yeah." And then I was like, "I'm heading out. Is that all right?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, no worries. Where are you going?" I was like, "It's over to touch." All right, Grant. And I went over and uh, we we're going like, oh, "What are we watching?" And her mom was like, "I'm gonna put on my Christmas." And I was like, "Cool. I haven't watched it in years." And uh, we sit down, and their dad turns around, and he's like, "I got this for after." And he pulls up his like steel box DVD of Battle Royale, and I was like, "It's gonna be a great film night." <laughs> so we spent we spent the evening drinking pims and watching these films. I don't know why pims either. It was just they had bottles of it. And they were like, "Yeah, just load up." And we're just sitting there getting drunk watching these films, going, "This is great." This is just like like because normally Christmas evening is such a letdown. No, it's but like. Yeah. You know, everyone's just kind of sitting there going, oh, Indiana Jones again. Yeah, yeah. great. Pims yeah. is a great drink to get merry, merry, because you do, yeah, you yeah, find yeah. yourself sipping away at it a while and you go, I have been drinking for ages and I'm so drunk. <laughs> yeah. I've been tipping away at this like a fucker. But yeah, yeah so we, and, we, and then we watched uh, Battle Royale and it was, yeah, another great Christmas movie. Mm. Wait, hang on. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Yeah, and I had one other film which was kind of more of an honourable mention, which is, this is my actual favourite Christmas movie ever. Um, and I'd go as far as to say it is the best Christmas movie ever. It's The Muppet Christmas Carol. I do really it's like amazing. The Muppet Christmas Carol. It's I like perfect. all The Muppet it's, it's movies. It's perfect. So uh, yeah. I thought I had to at least mention that guy. Yeah. Um, I do like- yeah, I think it's like the, the Muppet Christmas Carol, does a, it has that great Muppet tradition of being more of a piss take. 
yeah. than trying to be like like I, I think that's where I learned piss take comedy was from growing up watching the Muppets. Yeah, <laughs> like you know what I mean. They're very much like well, that, 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 really and like, that and things like Looney Tunes as well, right? They're just really kind of self-aware yeah. silliness, right? But they actually, mm. in a lot of cases, do a really good job of telling the story. I mean, mm. they they kind of, they nailed the story of a Christmas Carol, right? But they just did it in a really self-aware silly they, way. So. They do that in mm. Muppet Treasure Island, where at the very start, the guy comes in and hands them the piece of paper with the black spot, and then keels over, and one of the Muppets is like, "He can't die." He can't die. This is a kid's movie. Did he die? <laughs> You're like, that is how the book starts. And like, the Muppet's yeah, like, yeah. oh my God. This is, ooh, that's dark. Uh, fantastic. But then again, like they've always had Gonzo who fucks chickens. And, yeah. You know, it's still a kid's thing. So. He does fuck chickens. No nostrils. How does he smell? Terrible. I'm his roommate. And, and is that even a nose? I mean, yeah. these, are all, these are all questions we need oh, to Oh no. Answer. Um... For, for my one, I'll do one which is, again, set around Christmas, but isn't actually a Christmas movie, which is Black Christmas, to completely contrast against White Christmas in the most literal and figurative <laughs> sense. Um, which I, I talked about it last year, so I'll do a, a brief one for it, but something I didn't mention last year is that it's it's um, one of the really earliest uh, slasher movies. I think it might be the earliest seasonal slasher movie. It predates Halloween and anything like that. Um, mm. And, in fact, John Carpenter was saying that he, he wrote Halloween as a follow-up to Black Christmas like it was his fan project oh, really? and it kind of uh, stewed for years and then he eventually did it as Halloween um, but it is the based on the kind of urban legend of you know babysitters in the house and the call comes from inside the house and there's somebody out there and it's uh, it's a slasher movie where a guy is going around killing people um, and I remember watching going oh this will be gory and terrible and horrible and very Wes Craven-y and it's not it's really thoughtful and slow and like as soon as the first murder happens the whole town goes into mourning mm. and the police get involved and it's what would actually happen yeah. in this mm. case um but just i want to give a nod to the the sound design in it because it's the first example i can find of somebody um just paying that much attention to something like this so that it's like like hitchcock was good at it for doing like the visuals and um kind of doing a little bit of foreshadowing but the sound designer was like fucking up his piano and dragging forks over strings and doing all this to give you really eerie music. Uh, and the guy who was doing the voice of the, the killer in very in scream style uh, would do handstands and throw his head off the back of the couch and do all these kind of weird angles so that his thorax and his voice uh, box would be kind of fucked up and while he was giggling and stuff. And they would even do loads and loads of takes and put in much worse. I think it was the, possibly the first major movie to use the word cunt as well just because it was yeah. like him talking to these girls and saying the worst things yeah. uh, but my, my favourite little bit of foreshadowing is that the main male lead who's like helping the police and helping these girls and uh, helping people be safe sometimes when you don't see his mouth moving if he's got his back they got the guy who did the voice of the, the killer to overdub some of his lines just so that while you're watching it you're like wait a minute is he the killer? Yeah. And it's just to, to kind of fuck with the viewers a little bit interesting. and I, I do like that uh, that touch but uh, again, I would recommend it if you if if you want to contrast it against a White Christmas, and then you want a uh, a slasher movie or something with a higher body count to, to follow up. That's a that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, watch the two of them back to back. Exactly, yeah. makes, makes yeah, a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah. Jay Z's The Grey Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my my actual one, the one that I think I've watched the most as a kid growing up was Mary Poppins, and I kind of want to talk about it because they have now the new one out, Mary Poppins mm. Re- Revelations. I think is what it's called. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, Mary 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 Poppins Revenge. Revenge, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mary Origins. Um, but uh, that one I watched growing up, and I had absolutely no problem with it. That and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, the everything that happened with the movies, I was like, 
yep, the internal logic is sound. Yeah. And I think I watched Mary Poppins thinking that she has to be omnipotent and like infallible and perfect. Because if not, she put those kids in mad fucking danger the whole time. Uh, and if I think about it for even a second and think she she is magic, but she's not omnipotent, she's not infallible, those kids were in danger, it really fucks up the thing. Because she shows up out of nowhere and blows all her competition away. Like all the other ladies yeah. who are lining up to possibly be uh, the babysitter. She just launches them away in like gale force. And those are elderly ladies. <laughs> like this is this is in London, a place that has like spiked fences as a yeah. rule, and she just launches them into the air. Um, I don't really remember that part of, of Mary. Yeah, she, this is when she first arrives. When she house. first arrives, she yeah. she, she literally blows them she, away. She blows the competition wow. away. Uh, then yeah. she takes the kids out and like I'm gonna because she was really good as well. She probably didn't need to do that. She I mean, she would have got the job. She had good imagine. references. Yeah. Uh, but like, if I describe it as, this isn't about a magical babysitter, this is about a completely normal babysitter. She takes the kids out and then immediately just meets her ex-boyfriend and just lets the kids do whatever the fuck she wants and just hangs out with some guy who's a chimney sweep. Yeah, I was going to say, because he's pretty, like, like a vagrant, guy like this, well, like, this yeah, kind of dude. Yeah. Then uh, she takes them home and they're like, we had really fun today hanging out with your friend. And then she just gaslights them and goes, no, you didn't. That never happened. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, jumping into chalk paintings, to, uh, <laughs> doing all this kind of stuff. What nonsense. And you're like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? And then, like, runs around the rooftops. Again, great great crack if you're completely magic and perfect. But if those kids were in danger for a second, that's terrible. Yeah, for sure. Um, how does it end? Where does it go? Oh, yeah. And then, then tells them to eat sugar by the spoonfuls, which Tell- is the road to diabetes. And the last thing that happens is her, her father goes missing. Uh, the kid's father goes missing. And, like, to the point that the police are like, oh, no, like, we've seen this happen before. Maybe we should dredge the river. So they think he's dead. And then she walks up to the family and goes, so you don't need me anymore, and leaves. And we're like, oh my god, my dad is missing. What are you doing? This all, I do not remember this, this movie, apparently. That is how the movie ends. She turns to the kids while their dad is missing and goes, all right, I'm leaving too. Wow, that's harsh. So the mir- if, you, if you don't think she's got the kids' best interest in heart, that is a really dark movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to trust that she knew what she was doing every step of the way. Like, my memory of that movie is just like a lovely woman shows up kind of flies in with an umbrella they clean the house walk around the park have a song and float to the, the ceiling like, and laugh with yeah. her weird sick uncle <laughs> there's yeah there's a lot of weird stuff in that that you just have to assume it's tough love and not just her being completely callous to the kids yeah I'm gonna have to watch that again yes watch it again and just imagine that like she doesn't give a shit <laughs> I'm sure it's been shown over Christmas particularly because the new one's out yeah 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 for sure apparently the new one's very good yeah, I've heard like from reviews, it's it's pretty much spot on. Like, yeah. Um, so, and like I'm, people seem to be nervous about it when they go in because they like they they hold the original one with such fondness, and then they're just kind of like, oh, oh, oh no, no, it's fine, it's fine. We don't, wonder, we don't have to worry. Would, would they get away with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang these days because of the child catcher? Guy? I mean, I'm not sure that they could remake that one. <laughs> no. with that character still in it, right? Because that that might. I think they'd have to change the child catcher into something that wasn't human. Yeah, it could, yes. yeah, it would just be like an episode of To Catch a Predator, right? Like, uh, <laughs> if they did it with the child cat. <laughs> uh, yes, that would be very, very odd. Um, oh, that would be the weirdest thing. <laughs> um, cool. That's that's my kind of uh, nostalgic Christmas emo. Yeah, my, like my two don't really need discussion. I think we've covered both of them extensively on the show before. It's just Gremlins and Die Hard. Yeah, the, the, they They both work... Um, they're both great films, regardless of the Christmas context or not. And mm. um, like I forgot, I had forgotten at one point that Gremlins was a Christmas film. Yes. I just I, remember I it being a good that, film. Yeah. No, I you can't. know. So 
I can't forget fine. because of the whole story the guy tells about his dad dressing as Santa and dying in a chimney. Uh, well, yeah, but you know. <laughs> and they, they cut apparently a load of that scene. So I think she says it to him. Yeah, and they she cut, tells him. She, they cut all of the reactions. They cut all of him going, oh man, I'm really sorry. So it's them walking down a corridor and him just being like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. It's like, that must have been tough. I'm just like, anyway, we got to do my thing now. Yeah, yeah. I, I cut I, the flashbacks as well. You know, you don't want to see the legs kicking <laughs> and just going still. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the, the interesting <laughs> oh. about Gremlins is because I remember the second film so much better than the first. Yes. Because of the colourful cast of different types of Gremlins. Right? You, you yeah. remember like the Lady Gremlin, yeah. the, the Batman, the, the, the Spider one, one the Batman. Right? And all the, that sticks out yeah. so much that you just kind of forget about the first movie. Yeah. It's, and it's a great movie. Like, I really, really love Hogan that movie. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. No, they, they are uh, two great movies. I would go as far as to say as I prefer Gremlins to Die Hard. Hmm. I think just Die Hard. Die Hard has aged better in terms of like it, it's the, the some of the special effects in Gremlins are still a little bit ropey. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Whereas Die Hard is very much, um, it, it, it's like Die Hard establishes the Christmas thing at the very start. And then it, it never gets about it, <laughs> and then it doesn't show up again until the very end when he when he tapes the gun to his back using Christmas wrapping yes. paper, uh, wrapping <laughs> yeah, tape like. No, I mean um, they have that character, the red nosed character who tries to save the day, um, you know, cocaine dude, and gets shot for his troubles. Ellis, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Ellis. <laughs> Can you guide my sleigh tonight, Ellis? And he's just scratching his face. <laughs> baby, yeah, hey, Hans, ha, baby, Santa, Bubby. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah so anyway games anyone got games that uh, any nostalgic games for Christmas I, I mean the, there's not really Christmas games as such I mean for me it's Super Mario All-Stars and that's mm. just because we got a SNES with that game at Christmas this and I thing. just I, played uh, the shit out of it so that's the reason it's nostalgic at Christmas because just Mario All-Stars for me that's just that's that's actually kind of what I what I've done is I figured that it'd be more a case of there would be games that would remind you yeah. of Christmas time because you, you first got them and played them over Christmas yeah. the only ones I can really think of that are Christmas themed games is probably my favourite Christmas themed game The Division because that's an apocalypse that happens just around Christmas mm-hmm. and uh, and then the uh, uh, what you call it uh, Dead Rising 3 Dead Rising yeah starting to see a bit Ooh. of a, a consistent theme across all your Christmas <laughs> yes um, but no, like like both, but that's the thing. Like both of those games are set at Christmas, and it's like because I think it's they like they want to hit people harder. It's like oh my god, this is so grim and stuff. Yeah. The, like though, like for the division, it makes sense because the whole plotline of the division is that a a a, a man made virus is let loose. It's transferred by money. Mm. It actually lives on the the fiber that the, the American mm. money is made from, and the guy unleashes it in Macy's department store on Black Friday when people are going to be there spending the most and like so he tries to take out as many people as he can yeah, yeah. so and, and, and when you like, see people on black friday like you can't really hold it against them either it's kind of like oh, I've well seen, yeah i've seen those videos you yeah. Know. But, yeah 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 it's like give me my fucking yankee candle <laughs> um, so. why is that zombie horde shouting about yankee candles <laughs> but it, like so, it and, and then like the whole idea is that like it's coming up to christmas when the game starts because it's like the, the decorations are but the city's fallen to disrepair over the previous two yeah. or three weeks mm. and 90% of the population has died and it's like like there's the especially grim moment where you go in and up near Central Park and you find out as you're going along through audio logs oh they're using Central Park as a mass grave and you're walking down a road and there's body bags piled one story high mm. either side of you and there's these mountains and you're like 
<laughs> Christmas game. <laughs> <laughs> All so, the way to the right side, it was frightful. <laughs> yeah, so, no, but I, like, I just think it's a great game anyway. But, like, the, it, I, it, I just, every so often, I kind of go, oh, yeah, this is a Christmas game. I just forget. It, <laughs> I'm like, it is very funny to watch you play on the stream or something, and, like, you're you're taking out a bunch of guys, and, like, you know, you're throwing your, your bombs and all this kind of stuff, and you turn a corner, and it's the rattiest Christmas tree you've ever seen yeah. just there. <laughs> you're like, okay, cheers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's, it's I think it's, like, I, I was talking about it the other day on the stream. I was like, I love snow themed maps. Yes. I love snow themed games. Like, if there is a shooter game and one of the maps is a snow map, it'll invariably become my favorite just because it's like, it's different. Mm. So, and then, like, you know, the, the, and then if I look kind of back at my favorite games in the last while, it's like Skyrim, The Division. It's like, there's a recurrent theme here of mm. like, it is cold and it is snowy and, you know, I'm killing everything. That so. makes that makes me think of. Um, I was only watching a video of this the other day because I was I remember the game so fondly and I realized I hadn't seen the gameplay since I played it on PS One and it was Nightmare Creatures and that was kind of mm. a, mm. a Victorian London snow and it was snowy and stuff like that mm. and it was yeah. kind of like that was just a really nice environment to be in. I mean, in spite of all the horrible monsters. And yes. Shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. We I remember one Christmas we got the the Wii and the Wii thing that you stand on and the Wii like all the peripherals and everything like that because we were going to be like this is absolutely the Christmassy thing and it was a genius time to kind of release it and promote it because you had groups of families yeah. stuck in the house together all doing this uh, and we had like family over from Canada I think I've said this before where one of the lads had a bit of weight on him and the thing you do to start off is you stand on the board and it weighs you and it does all this um, and then you know the Wii Fit thing is supposed to track you and all this but nowadays it says you are normal body type overweight or very overweight and it used to say normal body type overweight or obese oh, okay. Yeah. and this guy stood up on it and it just went boom, straight to obese and we all kind of looked at him and went sorry my games console college of fat man. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like it's alright and he's like no it's alright I'll just go, go hang out and the rest. like for the rest of Christmas Dude, he wouldn't eat in front of us and I was like yeah. sorry man yeah that's, that's pretty rough and you know, you know what's interesting when you say about the weed thing there is that the Wii came out and it was this perfect Christmas kind of family thing yeah. that everyone could play because if you've never played a game before you can still pick up that controller and just shake it around yeah, like yeah. a fucking lunatic mm, and yeah. for me that's just the exact opposite of what gaming at Christmas meant for me because what it was was like family and all that shit arrived and I just locked myself away in a yeah. different room for eight hours playing a game from start to finish like yeah. that and that was gaming at Christmas for me like it was kind of the idea of playing games with my family and no, I didn't want that <laughs> I was trying to get away from them so I could play games on my own like that that's what the whole point was you know yeah, um, yeah. So and like, those uh, games never called me fat either. So, uh, <laughs> I, do you know what? We could actually do a mini episode on all the games that have insulted me. <laughs> uh, remember Metal Gear Solid Two, uh, when the thing goes all insane, when the the colonel gets a virus, mm. and he's like, "You shouldn't sit so close to the TV." And I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> uh, and it was like a oh, there was definitely a, like Gex 3D calls you a nerd or something if you 100% the game. It was like, oh my god, you don't have a life. <laughs> Uh, yeah weird stuff no, for, like for, for me like the, the two there's three games i'll always associate with christmas because like you said it was very much my going to play this over christmas and uh one of them in particular i had bought for myself but the console i'd gotten the previous christmas and this particular game it was like um i basically i was like that's for myself for christmas but i bought it in like november or something and i was like i'm not playing that till christmas and then the day i finished my like my last day of of term or whatever i came home and i didn't even like i didn't even change it in my uniform which was very unusual for me i just came straight in threw the bag down turned on the mega drive and was just like right 
I'm playing this now. And yep. it was like, it, it was um, uh, Shining Force 2. Right, which right. Which is uh, an old Mega Drive tactics game. It's one of my favorite games of all time. It's one of Leelis's favorite games of all time as well. He's, uh, the we, we had that Millhouse moment over Shining Force. <laughs> I, <thought laughs> I was the only one. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So this um, is like a, a game designer's game, then, right? It's a, it's basically a spreadsheet on the Mega Drive, I'd imagine. Uh, no, actually, it's it's. Have you ever played Fire Emblem? You know, you've yeah, seen I've Fire been, Emblem. I've seen That's it. Done. Yeah, I haven't played it. Right. Before, so. so so this was in parallel development by by Sega when they were developing the first Fire Emblem game. The first Shining Force game came out like bare months after the first Fire Emblem game, mm. and because Fire Emblem got there first, Fire yeah. Emblem was the one that took off bigger. Yeah. But it's like, but like Shining Force is like it's it's on Steam. There's a version coming out for the Switch, and um, because it's part of the Mega Drive collection, when you get the Mega oh, Drive okay. collection, you get Shining in the Darkness, which is um, so you get Shining, which is the first one. Which but that was like a fr- it was weird. It was a Mega Drive game that was done as a first person perspective, point and click adventure type thing. But then Shining Force One and Two, which were like it was Shining and then Shining Force, the Shining Force One and Two were actually these tactics games where you had like groups of twelve and you're yep. going in, you're on a map and stuff like. Um, and I just remember it was that particular year uh, I got a rake load of albums so my actual Christmas presents was like here's a, a, a proper like stereo CD player like a big huge fucking mm. one like with the um, had the double CD on the top it was very fancy mm, nice. uh, double CD double tape and all this type of thing and it was like um, and I got a rake load of albums with it. and one of the albums I got I got all the I had Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness and I got Gish and Siamese Dreams mm. Um, on CD and I remember just listening through those albums like nearly on repeat playing this game over the entirety of Christmas I was just like because it was like the first one you can finish in maybe like 10-12 hours the second yeah. one's maybe 30-40 hours wow. which again was quite sizable for the Mega Drive yeah yeah and I was just like just sitting there playing 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 and tell, tell and me those those albums when you listen to them now do you think of that game straight away and does that I make think those of, albums Christmas I think albums of, for you now I think of those, yeah. I think of that situation. I just I think of the game. I think of that game being played at Christmas. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the the other one was, uh, which was the year before, was um, Earthrun Jim one and one and two. Yeah. Oh yeah, that the great fucking game. The most frustrating game those, I've ever played. I think. I just associate those with Christmas because I played them a ton oh. over, over Christmas. Like. That's because I think I think I got a Game Boy at Christmas time, and I would have got yeah. Earthrun Jim for the Game Boy, and and that would have been the same sort of deal. And the Game Boy was great because yeah. you could lock yourself in any room yes. and just play the game. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing in there? I'm going bathroom. You've been in there half an hour and constipated. Fuck off. Yeah. Well, like... funny, funny story is I broke my uh, Game Boy by headbutting it because I was playing against the final boss on Donkey Kong. Right. And it was the Donkey Kong for the Game Boy that came with the yellow cartridge. I was like, this is amazing. It's a yellow cartridge. I mean, <laughs> it's plastic, but for some reason I was blown away yep. by the fact that they could make this piece of plastic yellow instead of the normal grey. And I was sitting on the toilet playing this game and I'd been there for like an hour at this point because I got to the last boss and I died and I got really frustrated and I headbutted the Game Boy and, and, and cracked the screen yeah and the worst thing is I went out then got my brother's Game Boy popped the game into it and completed the boss on the first run oh. like the first go I got past it but my Game Boy was broken and that was did you yeah. I just imagine you standing <laughs> up and your legs are so dead that you immediately fall <laughs> over and just collapse yeah trousers around my ankle <laughs> screaming for my ma yeah so yeah that, that's enough. that's my memory of that yeah it's brilliant <laughs> some, some fond Christmas memories yeah um, <laughs> Yeah, so, that's the thing. I just I figured like gaming would be a weird one because it's there's not you know, 
This is a very limited genre of games set at Christmas. Yeah. yeah. So. Right now, it wouldn't surprise me in the in the near future with the way games are being churned out at the moment if we if we don't see more Christmas themed games. But yeah, well, a lot of online games. Like mobile, there's like probably Christmas like loads of mobile games. games and shit. You'll be able to have just games that are easy to throw together in a couple of months with some engine and throw them out I, for Christmas and they're. You know, I am always surprised when a big game comes out and then they do a like four DLCs and they don't do a Christmassy one because mm. they always do flavored ones. They always do like. One that continues the story, one that's a bit weird, like this one's set on Mars, and then one that is completely fucking out there. This is Blood Dragon, this is set in the 80s, and it's like, <laughs> is a completely different way of doing things. And I was like, one of those could have been a Christmas one. Yeah, and if yeah. you've released a game as a summer hit, and everybody fucking loves it, and then you do, if it's a fantasy game, Winter Solstice, or if it's like a space game or something like that, you know, the, the Frozen Planet, and then do like, do all that kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah. it would be so easy get people back on board and like have every uh, console feature it because now it's a Christmassy thing yeah, yeah. I, I think in yeah. games it's so much easier to to do a Halloween thing yes you know what I mean it, it almost feels like for, for games Halloween fits a lot better it's same, same, same like, for TV I think as well the majority of games like you know it's like a game without opposition is very with an opposition of some kind in a game uh, is essentially just a, like a management sim or something yeah. like that whereas like the majority of games there is some opposite oppositional thing and then you can have your bad guy and good guy you can have your bad guys look like vampires or you can whatever that twist needs to be like and that yeah so it works so much better around halloween than any other time of the year really um Ah, christmas has its bad guys has its krampus and has its grinch Grinch and has its anybody who tries to stop santa bad weather (laughs) yeah Mm. brexit <laughs> well, heading over to the UK I'm for saying, uh, like... Teresa's leaving drinks, so <laughs> that's gonna. <laughs> uh, oh, that's um, but yeah, like the uh, what about um what about TV? T- uh, speaking of Brexit, car crash TV. That's that's what I'm watching. I'm just watching Brexit <laughs> happen in real time. Going, haha, this is the best. <laughs> There's a petition currently going um on the the English site that like when when they get a certain number of signatures they have to consider it in Parliament and all yep. the rest and it's a petition to force Ireland to adopt sterling as a second currency to prevent any issues with Brexit wow and who is putting this forward is this a, a group of citizens in the UK it currently has 247,000 signatures last time I checked to force Ireland interesting it's a group yes. of people united by the fact that they've never read a history book yes I imagine. yes Yes, or it was like like that fucking idiot who was like, "Oh, well, let's see how food uh, food shortages will do yeah. uh, uh, in, in Ireland." And we're like, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, somehow I think you know that whole member." St- so we have this thing called the EU. Yeah, and we have twenty seven other states who are going to help us if anything goes wrong, and ain't gonna fucking help you anymore. <laughs> so like, we we learned so from like, the last famine. Thank yes, you yeah, yeah. We got two famines under the belt. All right. Yeah. Do I need so, another? Go okay, for the hat cool, trick. So- Christmas TV is Brexit then. The news. We'll be watching yes. the news on TV. It's going to be fun. Uh, uh, it, Christmas TV for me is advertisements. It's not uh, It's not watching shows. It's There's a TV on in some room. And I managed to go all year without watching any ads. Like I can watch everything on Netflix. I can, mm. um, like whatever way I'm watching shows, I can just make sure I skip ads. I've got ad block on everything. Yeah. I don't watch, like I skip ads on YouTube. Everything is skipped. <laughs> And I find it really offensive or just jarring. Like I would, if I'm in a th- thing and somebody comes on and goes, 
like gadget insurance. You need gadget insurance mm. only on gadget insurance that I and I'm like, first of all, it can't only be on gadget insurance. <laughs> and secondly, what the fuck? I was just like, it feels like someone walks into my sit room and yeah, says something yeah, yeah. to me, and I was like, whoa, I was just having a conversation. How dare you? But uh, going an entire year without seeing any ads and then catching up on them, yeah. I will sit and watch them actively. Like I'm not, they're not just washing over me. I'm like, wow, this is what people are seeing. You've got every, your popcorn there. Yeah. You've got your, you know, whatever. This is what people are seeing down. every fucking day. Some people, yeah. pe- people will comment to me and say, you, like, they, I seem to have a lot of energy. I just don't think I use any, uh, I don't use up any energy or use up any spoons or anything like that on ads or dealing with that or trying to block out anything. But there is a thing called decision fatigue, right? That they yeah. actively try to do in marketing where they try to present you with so many options and choices that you just kind of give up and go, I'll take this. Yeah. You know, by the time you get to the tail and there's, you know, a few sweets or but whatever the impulse buys yeah. it's like if you're so you're fatigued down. from from fighting off yeah it's the yeah. decision fatigue and then analysis paralysis, paralysis. Yeah. yeah yeah paralysis choice yeah it's, I mean, and but, the, the worst is the uh, if you ever flick through the kids channels like if you ever you know fancy a bit of spongebob or whatever on on the tuesday do. evening yeah um like as soon as you get to um october november like it's just christmas ads targeting oh, yeah. kids like and it's fucking insane you know, they, they really hit the kids hard with the advertising. <laughs> it's, my, it's nuts. My favorite fact uh, that I learned this week uh, comes cur- cur- uh, courtesy of Tara, who was on the previous episode um, or a couple episodes ago, which was in the Transformers movie, they say shit once. Yeah. And the reason they say that is to make it a PG movie. And that means that the parents have to see it with the kids, or at least they should. And that way, the parents then know which toys to buy for the kids because they've sat through it with them, and the kids can point and go, "That one, that one, that one." And he's like, oh, "I know what Bumblebee looks like now. I've seen it." And that that to me makes me so happy because it just absolutely puts the nail in the coffin that all the movies and TV shows were unequivocally there to sell the toys. Well, that's that's interesting because for for me, I was trying to think of uh, Christmas TV and nostalgia and stuff like that. And for me, it was almost any of the cartoons from the nineties that were just glorified ads yeah. for toys because all of my yeah. toys that I got at Christmas were just basically sold to me throughout the year yeah. through all these cartoons and, and eventually I'd have my favourite and that's what I'd be asking for for Christmas you know that's yeah. kind of the, the impact TV yeah. had on, on my Christmas at that point are you, are you speaking of advertising actually there was just something I wanted to mention because like and it's this time of year so um, the TV channel Dave in the yes. UK yeah. they ran a thing um, the other night um, you, uh, in association with this group called CAM the campaign against living miserably mm-hmm. right in the UK and uh, they run like a helpline and web chat and stuff for people who are feeling depressed and that type mm. of thing but they ran an entire ad break the other day a four minute ad break where they didn't run a single ad and they had they just had this like every 30 seconds they go no this is still your ad break we're just letting you know we have, we're saying this it was uh, the comedian James A. Caster was, was the voice on it and it was like take these four minutes and just reach out to a friend just say hello be nice to them yeah just you know even if it doesn't like a, a, a you know arrange to go meet up for a chat send them a gif of a stupid dog falling down doesn't matter what it is mm. just reach out to people and take this four minutes to do it we're, we're, we're here for the full four minutes we're not showing you anything we're mm. just asking you you know like sometimes that's all it can take yep to to make sure someone feel better and i was like like considering how how much more tv channels can charge for advertising around christmas yep like for them to spend an entire like advertising four minute advertising block because it's an advert is 30 seconds yep so they gave up eight adverts which could have cost them like 
that could have easily cost them anywhere up to like 20 30 grand yeah depending on it you know and just to go nope we just want to do this and i was like that that that's actually like admirable that they're they're doing something like that rather than you know the constant barrage of adverts yeah i wonder i wonder what percentage of people when it got to that ad didn't just take out their phone and start looking at you know twitter sponsored tweets and facebook sponsored I mean, posts and even if they, but this is the yeah, thing yeah. they even say that like the, like the, your man james acaster is like you probably have your phone in your hand right now because it's hit the ads so you yeah. may as well do it yeah it yeah, doesn't yeah. it doesn't take any effort like yeah. and i, I like that i just thought nice. that was a really admirable thing to do yeah so. i i did see something on a youtube video where it's you know you're ending the ad in three two one then you can hit skip and it was just an animation with like a nice sound over it and i was like usually this is where they're rushing to tell me the name of the product mm. or somebody's like do you want to know what the new superfood and like so that there's a question posed or something to keep me listening and it was just like a guy cartoon of a guy sitting in a park looking around and i like let it play for another eight seconds just watching it and i was like hey we all rush around in life and i'm like oh so it's for like wellness or calm or yeah. something like that but just that they gambled that if they went really silent they'd catch the savvy guys like me who are fucking ready to hit it yeah yeah there's kind of there's, there's something different here yeah i shall continue to listen yeah yeah but that's the thing like I, like advertising has become so formulaic that like the only ones that i find that stick with me are the ones that really go out of their way to be different yeah, yeah. Really, my favorite that's was what the advertising. we do right we, we match patterns and block things out that we don't yeah. we don't need anymore. yeah but that was it like my favorite one is the the one from i think it was about two years after tg car came out when it was still called teeny g mm. and the advert on radio was just an advert where a man's voice goes nobody's watching teeny g and that was it because people were like it just suddenly made you aware of it and it was yeah. like yeah it's like a two-second ad and it got people laughing but at the same time they were like why aren't people watching this you know and and, and like it, yeah, it was such drastically different saying. from everything else <laughs> that people were suddenly like hang on something's up here <laughs> so it was like yeah sorry yeah but it was just because yeah like that like christmas is very much like the advertising like people who are like oh it's not christmas time till i see the coca-cola advert on yeah, tv and i'm like oh my god you sad cunt <laughs> so like it's yeah. just oh, just, oh. God damn that I looked, somebody did say to me that they they do the the horses every three years or five years but they have a big enough gap that it'll be like you see them at 10 13 15 18 and then like 21 and like you you have these gaps that the way it works is like we got you when you were 10 you really really into mm. horses and then like we we worked it out so that when when you get to like 18 and you're probably drinking anyway that's when we get you yeah. and then when you get to 21 in america and you legally can drink that's when we get you and it's like there's these cohorts that they're like just seeding that's interesting i wonder as well is there is there a bit of we talked about decision fatigue i wonder is it is there like nostalgia fatigue where if they're showing oh, you yeah. this thing every year well, it's not nostalgia anymore but if what is what is the minimum amount of time they can not show you a thing that when they do show it to you, you go, oh yeah, and you get nostalgic about it, right? And it probably is like three or four years. Yeah. I know, it's probably been proven to be longer. I mean, like, if you look at like when they remake stuff and all the rest and people have just been like, as soon as a remake is announced, and people go, oh, holy shit, I can't wait. Yeah. The one that strikes me the most from the last few years is Voltron, the Netflix one. Because like, they were like, we're doing a Voltron series. And everyone went, holy shit, Voltron. I remember that. That was the best thing ever. Giant fine, like, mechanized lions. This is going to be brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so, and was but, it like, was the, it brilliant? I don't, I don't know. If... It was actually, in the, it did, like, well, the one growing up, I watched it. And it, it was very good. And the new series is brilliant. It's really well done. And it was just mm. like, great. Yeah, that's that's how you do nostalgia. Mm. You know, I'm on board. <laughs> so. I was never a Voltron fan. 
I think I was Power Rangers. I think I missed all the early Voltron and GoBots and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't into. It. I dipped a toe into Power Rangers, but didn't. Never. So I have a couple of years on both of you. So yeah. yeah, it's you know I got in that way. So what about you? Right. What about you, Kev? What TV is your? Um. Oh yeah. So for for Christmas TV, there was. I generally don't like Christmas episodes of things, and I was thinking about oh, Christmas God, episodes. Yeah. But there was one TV show that did a fucking amazing Christmas episode. I only watched it a few weeks ago. It was uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is just an amazing show anyway. But they have this Christmas episode and it just has one of the best moments, I think, in, in mm. any TV show ever because um, it's Mac is talking about his Christmas as a child, right? And now Mac's dad is a criminal. Yes. He's a horrible bastard. And his mom is this horrible thing as well. Like, yeah. he's just not a nice person. So you're kind of wondering, like, how, what, what's his childhood Christmas going to be like? And it's really nice. Like, it flashes back to him as a kid and he's sitting around the Christmas trees there and they're opening presents. And they're like, oh, what did you get? And they all get their presents and stuff and it's great. And then this other family comes down the stairs and starts screaming. And you realise they're not in their house at all. And then, <laughs> and then Mac starts to explain his family's tra- uh, Christmas tradition where he's like, but you didn't do this as a kid. You go around to all your neighbours' houses and take the presents. And then they go to your house and take your presents. And he was like, you didn't do that? And it was just, he didn't realise that for his whole life as a kid, he was just going from house to house, robbing other people's presents. That's It was brilliant. It was a great, great Christmas episode. Really good. And, and um, Dennis and Dee's um, dad kept buying them the presents that they wanted the most he would buy for himself yes just to punish them at Christmas like, and, that's, and that's Danny DeVito obviously playing yeah. the dad and it's just yeah. it's so funny seeing him showing up in a Lamborghini <laughs> you know what I mean just to rub it in his son's yeah. face that he has one and it's what his son always wanted <laughs> but he wasn't going to give it to him the, know, the, the idea of punishing your child at Christmas that's something I definitely get behind I was, yeah. <laughs> I was like I was having Christmas uh, I spent Christmas with my friend uh, quickly um, a couple of years back um, with his family his parents are lovely people like really funny people and we're sitting there and uh, the I, I, I know quickly through playing Warhammer I've played it for years and all the rest and so see and he's like one of the best players probably yeah, say one of the three best players in Ireland and um, is known for being a good player and all the rest but, and his dad turns to me and he's like did I ever tell you how he got into it and I'm like no and he's like it was Christmas and he was eight years old and he'd been asking me for years about getting Warhammer, like two years or something mm. he'd been asking. So I went out and I got it and we spent all of Christmas Day assembling it and painting it. And then on Christmas evening, he, uh, it was it Christmas evening or Stephen's day and he was like, you wanted a game? And I was like, right. And he was like, so I played one team and he played the other. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, and I fucking crushed him. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And he's like, and he started bawling, crying. And his mom turns and she goes, and I turned to him and why the fuck did you do that? And he goes, because you'll never let anyone beat him at that game again. <laughs> That's brilliant. I'm like, yeah, I can, I can actually kind of appreciate that as a, as a, like as a present. It's yeah, like, yeah. oh, you got your thing and don't you feel great? Yeah, okay. And you're shit. <laughs> it's a fucking crush. I'm like, uh, on the subject of Christmas episodes of established shows, uh, it works really, really like obviously the, they, they kind of have to do a Santa is real thing mm. because it would be really weird if they just didn't do that yeah. uh, and that like for cartoons that's great if the Animaniacs meet Santa and they meet the real Santa and it's mm. the real Santa that's great but if it's Eeyore or something like that <laughs> yeah, they always yeah, have like yeah. a guy show up who's like Santa and then like he has a heart attack in the hospital and they put him on a stretcher da, da, da. but at the end like it cuts to the guy going, maybe he was the real Santa. And then they look up into the sky and hear yeah. sleigh bells. And go, oh. Anyway, wait, is Santa real in New York? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, this is it's what always got me about shows like that that did Santa where they, they had to try and, you know, keep him as a real thing. And I'm always kind of thinking because the parents always have the realization. It's like, yeah. maybe Israel's like, 
who put the presents under your fucking yeah. tree? Because you must have been out buying presents as well. And yeah. Does that mean Santa wasn't visiting you, but he is real? You know, it's a very confusing thing. Uh, and I, I just linked up on the Facebook page the episode of Xena Warrior Princess, <laughs> where Santa. she has to save Santacles, who is a toy maker <laughs> who um, uh, has to is trying to bring toys to an orphanage, and he has a pagan tree which is decorated with stars. And at one point, she takes the ornaments off the star, the stars off the tree to throw at bad guys. Uh, and on the walk home, she meets. Uh, a blue-clad lady carrying a babe and a bearded man uh, walking the road to get back to from Bethlehem to Nazareth or the other way around. And they don't mention their names, but she says, um, you know, I hope God always looks over you. Then looks at her baby and his face closed. And I was like, so Jesus, you've met Jesus? <laughs> I was like, you also met David, so you're completely wrong in terms of anachronism and stuff like that. But that's Jesus, right? <laughs> For me, the traditional... Christmas TV is the the greatest tradition of the all, greatest Christmas tradition of them all. The mentally traumatic, horrifically scarring uh, soap opera. Uh, something goes horribly wrong yes. on Christmas Day, uh, and it's, it's the first example of this that I could. Um, I was looking back over it was uh, EastEnders, mm. Dirty, Dirty Den, the <laughs> the the famous character from way back when, and like he was the original landlord of the Queen Vic, and he. Uh, gives his wife uh, and like divorce papers on Christmas Day, and it's like and that episode got uh, that was in 1986 and that episode got over 30 million viewers. Yep. On Christmas Day. Wow. And I was just like and like at the time, which must have been roughly like half the population of England, right. tuned in to watch that. Um, and then there was like but like and and you know you you have people like like I was looking through some of the timelines because they announced them ahead of time the stuff that's going to happen this year Christmas on the various soaps go on and you're like my god some of these are horrible like like one of them has a hit and run plan one of them has like um, a mystery wedding plan one of them has so, a hospital visit one of them has um, somebody I having a nervous about, breakdown and all this shit I remember about six or seven one, years ago they had one where it was a Muslim guy uh, who was going to marry a woman even though he knew he was gay and they uh, his boyfriend was going to come to the wedding and try and stop it and my sister watched it like edge of her seat just watching yeah. she'd been she'd been like um so engrossed in this and i was trying to talk to her and she fucking made me leave the room she like, absolutely <laughs> not and the dude like the the lover showed up and then just let him do it he's like no this is his tradition this is how he's choosing to live his life maybe he's not the first i thought he was and i was like oh my god that's the outcome fuck this is yeah well, no, like, there are, there's, 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 like the whole the ratio seems to be about uh three to one three horrible things happen for every one nice thing at christmas um the one that always gets me because i remember when it happened i think it was like 10 or 11 years old. i think it was 10 and it was um emmerdale Mm. So Emmerdale originally started off as like Emmerdale Farm and it was focused specifically on this one farm and that was in like 1986 and then around 1990 they were like no we want to expand this out to cover the nearby town and introduce more characters and make it a more serious thing because it was meant to be very kind of a very light TV show yep. and they were like no we need to make it more serious and they're you know and then, we, oh, and then they were like oh, I think we got to start competing with the other soap operas so their version of a of a Christmas disaster was in 1993. A plane blew up over Emmerdale, and I remember because I walked in. I was wow. like, I was sitting in one room. I was sitting in like the front room. I had my my TV and I had my games console and I was playing away. And this is you know it's after Christmas dinner and my, like 
my dad's having a nap my mom's being like i'm like i'm going into play games she's like cool i'm gonna watch myself so i'm like cool yeah grant and i'm in and i get up to go walk into the kitchen to get a drink and i have to go through the sitting room because we had a kitchen extension so i walk through the sitting room and as i walk in i look over and it's just like flaming fuselage falling out of the sky onto the onto the onto the the, the pub in emmerdale but it looks so shit you could tell it was held just off screen and then just let go right yeah and it was because it's just kind of real right, slow thunderbird drop. sort of thing I, going on, like. yeah, yeah yeah and i was just like what the hell are you I, watching and they're like I, it's emmerdale and i'm like okay whatever i was I'd like love to think that it came after the movie titanic or something that they figured they needed a big disaster or something no, i'm no, pretty no, no, sure no, it was no. before no 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 it's always been before like the like, like i said the first one the which was the eastenders one was 1986 oh, and Jesus, then the emmerdale yeah. one was 93 like they've 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 gone back like and there was ones in between. There's like it's always been such a big thing. But what's, what's the psychology of, behind this? Like I mean, why? Like obviously there's just demand for it. People are really I, into it. But I why? Could, why is it just because we've got so much happiness and cheeriness? Is <laughs> that when there's a bit of disaster, I, people are? Going I actually to think in, it is. Know? I think it's meant to be this whole thing of like people are people are well like part of it is to draw viewers. People are happy at Christmas apparently. There, people are happy. Allegedly, you know, but that's, that, that, so so the marketing tells us. I've, I've seen at happy. least one happy person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like people are happy, <laughs> and then you go like, and then it's like, great. What's going to happen in EastEnders today? Oh, it's just you know, people having their Christmas dinner and talking, and there might be one or two arguments. Oh, okay, I'm not going to watch them. Yeah, because yeah. I'm enjoying myself at Christmas. Where if it's well, something major, they're like, oh well, shit, I got to tune in. Yeah, yeah, I've heard the psychology that they they purposely don't put good jokes into crackers they purposely put really bad jokes in because they if they put a good joke in like uh uh what's the best thing about being from switzerland well the flag is a big plus i mean that's a good joke i love that joke yeah. whereas if it's something like oh, i don't know i need a joke where the punchline is brussels sprouts like it's something like um i don't know what, go, do, what goes what goes 99 click 99 click centipede with a wooden leg yeah 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 something, something terrible like but that that you groan you go nah, and like everybody at the table and even the kids know it's a shitty joke yeah. like if it's just a really forced pun and it means that everyone at the table suddenly is united against the joke yeah. everyone's looking at it you don't get 10 people at the table laugh and one person going oh I don't get it yeah, like, oh, centipedes yeah, yeah. of 100 like, like uh, you laugh and go nah what's what do you get to be across centipede and a parrot a walkie talkie and everyone goes nah and that it just unites everyone if there's something terrible on the TV if everybody's being really joyous and happy and great, mm. you can you could even still have one person go, that's shite. People are really yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. But if something fucking like unequivocally terrible happens, everyone goes, shit. You see that? Yeah. I, yeah, I was just I, I was talking about this the other day. Actually, I wrote a whole blog post because I've been binging on To Catch a Predator recently because it's just amazing. TV show with, with it's, just, it's kind of like a car crash you know that sort of thing but it's, it's just you're disgusted you're laughing you're horrified like it's got everything in this and one TV show just to cut across here there is no podcast Kev so just take a seat yeah and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> why don't you bring those why don't you bring Johnny, those wine coolers Johnny you can take off that 13 year old girl outfit now <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I, I was just thinking the psychology of like why do we enjoy watching this and for me personally yeah. why am I binging on this thing and I think it's because we're looking at these people and they are, are they are objectively worse than you yes so you're looking at it going, is there, no matter what shit I've done, at least I'm not that guy, yeah. right? And it, it is, it's the same thing, right? It's this uniting thing almost where everyone can get together and look at this thing that's objectively bad or yes. objectively worse than you it's and like, feel a bit better object. about themselves, right? Yeah, yeah, no, but it's, it's like, you know, it, it is like pretty much the worst thing. Like cannibals are looked down less than pedophiles. Yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But cannibals are allowed to like, write cookbooks. <laughs> no, 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 but what, what I'm wondering is like, is there like, you know, is, is there to catch a predator coming on? 
in some you know maximum security prison TV room somewhere, and there's a guy sitting there going like like that's disgraceful. I burned an orphanage down and killed forty seven children, but at least I didn't touch them first. Look at this sick prick. And, and if that yeah, guy yeah. was there, it was like, yeah, do you know what, what you did was bad, but you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but that guy on the TV is creepy as fuck. So <laughs> you mean you want to see the world burn, but you're not weird. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, it, it is an interesting thing. The whole, I guess, the um. The whole disaster versus merriness and yeah. celebration at Christmas. Absolutely. Um, cool. So that that was Christmas past. Shall we shall we bring it up a bit more recently? Christmas present and talk about <laughs> our twenty eighteen. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. What was your favorite films, Johnny, from twenty eighteen? Favorite films. Let's see what I got here. Not necessarily Christmas films, because you know. Um. Uh, I'll do. Uh, I'll do my games first. Uh, okay. I'm, just I'm, break the format. Yeah, Correct. why not? Um, <laughs> did I, what was my? I think Hereditary was my favorite movie. If I'm doing movies, I've, um, I've got Hereditary. Yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was pretty great. It was the one I went to see in the cinema, and I've got a, I've got the projector in the apartment, so to go see a movie in a cinema, I need to hear it's good. But the problem is, I, again, I don't watch any advertising; I purposely mm. avoid it. So to go into a movie and have something like really kind of subvert what I was expecting, and nobody ruined it for me, which is great, um, is really, really like amazing so that that was great i think it was me and sinead in the lighthouse cinema with like four other people nice and it meant but it was like it's a great creepy as shit yeah it was way. creepy but also kind of panto audience that behind me i just hear someone going oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like that, they were creeped out at different times than us as yeah, well which yeah, is yeah. kind of weird it's like fuck. but and you know what i thought was interesting you said you didn't have any you didn't see any ads or exposure to ads what's interesting is how that film was being positioned is they kept talking about it as the exorcist of our generation which mm. I think was a huge disservice to Hereditary oh, yeah. because it was a lot more than that like it was a lot I, for well, me it was no, a lot no, more no. like The you, Shining you, or something you know you, yeah. got, you got to bear in mind like how much the the exorcist freaked people out at the time mm. sure yeah, yeah. that, that was you the know? scariest movie of its time there was, like a, there was also like, there was a great uh, probably one of my favourite pranks I've ever heard of was involved with The Exorcist and it was I heard it on um the film critic Mark Kermode he was talking about it once and I don't think he did it but it was someone he knew who was like uh, the extras came out and the guy was reading the book uh, his boss was reading the book and it was like the book freaked him out to the point where he went down to the pier because they, they worked near a pier he went down to the pier and he threw it off the pier amazing and then someone got a, a, the same pub, the same printing of the book and like ran it ran it under the tap and put it in his desk drawer Amazing. so he found a damp copy of the book that he thrown in the sea <laughs> and I'm like that's that's fantastic that's exactly what you want to do with a horror book yeah. you know to yeah. torment people uh, but, 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 but I think yeah. what, what I meant more is like yeah I get that it was you know creepy at the time and, and there's that whole kind of shock value but I don't know I think I saw the ad as more of a um, almost if you were to compare the two films mm. side by side, that this is our generation, and it, it was very yeah. different. It was a lot more cerebral, the, I think, the than, than was, what the ads yeah. would have left you, let you to believe. You know, it's it's in the same uh, family as The Shining and The Exorcist in that the fear isn't in your head. There's something. It's some part of the core part of you. Mm. Like I, it's um, when you watch The Shining, you feel uneasy. There's something in your center that's just like mm, some some animal part of me is telling me to get away from this and and shit just starts getting weird at the end yeah which is i think in both movies is the same where it's that kind of that there's that persistent unease throughout the whole mm. thing and then shit does it gets really really weird so that just adds it, to your own your discomfort right as you're watching it and and like a good joke or a good like a bridge in a song or something you can build tension in a way that gives you a really cathartic release and really like that that's where good comedy or good horror or good anything can come from um and i think there's a certain type of movie that can keep building and building and give you little 
oh maybe this is the bit where I'm going to get my release nope yeah, <laughs> keep yeah. building like fuck stop what yeah. are you there's doing? a there's a musical technique um, the hands and reuses all the time and it, it's like ascending it's an, an ascending and descending ages. yeah no 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 it's like you can you can have a there's a certain um, sequence of notes it's not a normal scale but it's an ascending scale that when you play it the first and the last note sound so similar that you can infinitely loop it and it constantly yeah. creates the effect of a rising thing I think that's what a good horror film does. Or like, and, yeah. and, and like Hereditary is a good example. We, we mentioned this before when we were talking about that episode specifically. I think it came up where we were talking about uh, how that and The Witch, the ending mm. of both those films, it gets to the point where it's almost like, oh my God. you know, And it's almost like the implied ending. And it yeah. fades to black and you're like, oh my God. And then it sh- comes back up and shows you what's happening. Yeah. And you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, okay. We're, we're, we're not going to go the whole route of like, oh, did it really happen? Yeah. It's like, no, it, really, it did fucking happen. Look at it. Like, and you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, okay. and, it, and it's fucked up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Um, I have a bunch. I'll run through a couple of ones I want to see as well, which um, came out this year. Uh, but I think with Hereditary, if you, if you were going to watch it, uh, there are certain movies that I would tell you to watch by yourself. Watch the Ring by yourself if you've never mm. seen it, either the Japanese or the American. No, yeah, the, the first, the second time I watched The Ring, I was sat in my mate's house with two of my friends, and yeah. w- one of the other guys had seen it. And we were showing our friend on a video that we had used to copy The Ring, yeah. And we, we set it up so we, we basically pocket dialed him just after <laughs> the clip finished in the thing, and that's... he freaked the fuck out. You have to be there to fuck with people. Yeah, I mean, that's a very specific set of circumstances where you've already seen it, so <laughs> yeah, you get to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, did it come out this year? No, that was, that was Halloween last year. It was Halloween last year. Um, but uh, there are certain movies, I, horror movies, I would say to watch by yourself because there's a fear you get of like sitting by yourself and fuck, 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 fuck. It's um, like, have you ever seen the film Martyrs? No, yes. I, I would have yeah. hated I've to have seen it, that yeah. by myself because I felt like I needed to talk to somebody else. That's, well, that's it. You know that's, what I mean? And it is that kind of that, like, uh, I feel... Did I tell I you to watch that? That's, that's a film I tell a lot of like horror fans to watch. No, you you didn't, but it is a film that I um, I gave to someone and said, here, watch this. And she came back to me and said, I am never taking a film recommendation <laughs> off you Amazing. ever again. Uh, uh, Martyrs is, like the only, is one of two what can be considered torture porn films that are actually good. Mm, the other yeah. one being Switchblade Romance and both of them are French made films mm-hmm. um, but, but I was, yeah, Martyrs is fantastic I was going to say that for Hereditary I would recommend someone to watch that with someone else two of them sit down because at the end honestly whether you liked it or disliked it um, I think you'll want to talk sit, talk to the person who's just been through, you, through it with you and be like what the fuck yeah, yeah. Um, and I a friend of mine who watched a load of advertising firm and absolutely hated it really thought that whatever way they were advertising it was disgusting because they thought that the fear was supposed to come from the fact that the little girl looks a bit weird right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that they were being quite exploitative uh, and I never got that I because I'd missed all the advertising it just started and I was like oh I wonder what's like what's up there and I, was like, I think that actually in the ads they probably did exploit that a bit which yeah, which, which led me to believe it was going to be much more like an exorcist film but then when you get into yeah. it it wasn't at all so, you know, so. so was it advertised as like a conjuring kind of kids are creepy kind of way and this, almost like yeah, okay. yeah it didn't really give I, you the sense I, that there was a much more atmospheric kind of feel to it that it would just be jump scares and mm. shit that's kind of what I, I thought I, going I, in I have like. a feeling though that the, like, like the thing is that jump scare type show, uh, jump scare type film will get a bigger crowd in Yes. Oh yeah, and I almost sure. feel like yeah. that they they were perp- like if their intention was to purposely subvert expectation before a person yeah. walked in the door, then I think that's fine that yeah. their advertising might like was misleading. Um, I can't hold it against them. 
they got people in yeah, to see it I, and then I, word of mouth got to me yeah I, 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 I think it's fair from that point of view the advertising campaign is absolutely successful just to get more people in and yeah. you could tell when i was in the cinema with similar reactions like people in the crowd you could tell were very uneasy yeah you know there was yeah. a lot of gasping and a lot of people just kind of jumping even though there wasn't really many jump scares or anything like people, oh yeah people but just uneasy just the tension. Shit, you know? yeah. yeah and if i, I have to say ever... i didn't enjoy the film i think it's a fantastic film i love the way it's made i i respect the shit out of it and yeah. i would recommend it but it is not a film that i actually went that was enjoyable <laughs> and that was it was in no way yeah. shape or form enjoyable but i mean i think that that's that's not a bad that's not a a mark against I, uh, a horror film you know what I, I mean it's like yeah. it is it's admirable because i enjoy so many horror films because i'm like watching the makeup and i'm like oh that, yeah. that design's awesome or that's a really well set up shot and this is really creepy and mm. whereas that one was just like this yeah I, there was a, like a sense of discomfort almost all the way through and when it finished i went fuck me that was impressive yeah. <laughs> and that was incredibly well done and I'm like, I didn't enjoy it, but like, I, see, I, 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 I had similar know. things with The Witch, and I know you you liked that film, and I, I yeah, didn't I really, it. I didn't really like it. it. Like, I watched it, and I was impressed, and I kind of, I, I got it, but I, I didn't really like the film. That know? was an early date movie for me and Sinead. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird date movie. Nice. Uh, I had, a, I had a dream recently where I came out of a coma, and it's like, someone was like, you, you've been asleep for this long. I was like, did Tony Collette get an Oscar yet? I was like, no. I was like, no. And I went back into my coma. <laughs> <laughs> Give that woman a fucking Oscar. Um, cool. That was my movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I had that one as well. But another one I had, and it's interesting that you you mentioned you were in a um, kind of empty cinema watching that because I went to see A Quiet Place oh, yeah. and went oh, well, to yeah. uh, Rat Mines Cinema and. It was towards the end of that film's run in the cinema, so it was in the smaller screen. Mm. And that screen only has like 20 seats, but it was sold out, right? So there was like 20 of us sitting in what looked like, you know, the cinema room that you'd see of some rich fucking on cribs, yeah. right? That's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, what yeah, this yeah. cinema felt like. But the film is so quiet the entire time. And it's the, the whole thing is based on that. And it's that, mm. I like the tension of, of how quiet it is. So you're there with your popcorn, kind of carefully <laughs> taking out one piece of popcorn yeah. putting it in your mouth waiting for the spit to dissolve with so that it doesn't crunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, everybody around you so someone goes to open a bottle of water it's just like the <laughs> of opening the lid right and it was it was like half of the tension was how am i going to eat my food without pissing <laughs> everybody else off you know and just as an overall experience i think from the film's point of view it really um it really i guess got the tension into you as much as it was in the character because yeah, right? yeah. you were feeling mm. that same thing of I have to be quiet now yeah. right and you really had that now fair enough for them it was life and death for us it was annoying the person beside us but also yeah. we didn't want to be annoyed by them doing it and, and so on so uh, I thought it was an interesting way that you felt um, the same sort of tension as the people on the screen so that, that was an interesting one and I wonder would I have thought would I have felt the same if it was a bigger screen with more I, people right? so I, I watched it at home and I didn't get exactly that kind of tension I think I would have been better in a crowd and I remember being like at the end of it disappointed just a little bit being like oh it was it was you know like just less than 90 minutes and it felt like a short movie I was like I wonder if like are things like Black Mirror spoiling me mm. if you've got a high concept story like that I nearly expected to be told in an hour as part yeah, of a TV show or something else yeah. um, they, then, they announced yeah sorry they announced yesterday that the first Black Mirror film was coming by the way oh really oh, nice. interesting yeah. um, that'll be fun uh, fun I mean fun yes choice, choice word but yeah. uh, but no I, the, with, with A Quiet Place and then afterwards I was thinking about it, I was like, no I did really like it and and they I maybe I was disappointed because I was like I felt like I wasn't attached to the characters so that's why it felt like a once off from a show or something like that yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's actually very hard to get attached to characters if they're not if they're 
not speaking and yeah, not kind yeah. of doing that kind of thing. So they're having to show a lot, and they could have done a little more. Um, but yeah, I, I I think the cinema. I think you got the optimum experience for that. Yeah, yeah, big time. And, th- and that's that's why it's kind of on the list. Is more the experience rather mm. than, than the the film itself. But, but I, did, my, I really enjoyed the film. My issue was my issue with that film was why the fuck couldn't they move beside the waterfall? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's oh, a good we point. can talk here. Well, when did they fucking live there? You know what's going on? Like, yeah. be harder, <laughs> harder, harder to grow vegetables out of the rocks there <laughs> by the river bed, right? Yeah, but you awesome. could have all that stuff further out. But in terms of where you want to live, so you can actually, you know, talk. Yeah, to people. no, they they should have built their gaff. Yeah, for sure. In the waterfall. Thanks, thanks for ruining the film. Yeah, no worries. That's <laughs> what I'm here for. I'm here to ruin Christmas and your favorite films. Um, my favorite one of the year was um, it's a one of the Blumhouse films. It was, but it wasn't a horror as such. Um, Urge. No, it was Upgrade. Oh, I've seen Upgrade. Have you have you not seen it? Okay, no, so um, I haven't even heard of it. So your man from Alien Covenant, um, Logan, God, what's his name? Logan Marshall Green, I think it is. Mm. He's um, he was the 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 male lead, not the non uh, fastbender male lead from <laughs> uh, from much. He's one of the two archaeologists at the start of right. Alien Covenant and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's basically it's it's almost like a RoboCop thing but not quite so it's like he uh lives in a high-tech future him and his uh, wife gets attacked he gets shot and paralyzed his Mm. wife gets killed and this guy comes to him and he's like i've developed this chip which will actually fix your um your paralysis like because his spinal cord's been severed Mm. and it's like what this will do is it'll it basically acts as a bridge across the break and allows you to uh regain control like and he'd be like and um the guy's like yeah okay but then like there's there's almost like a jarvis style iron man ai thing built into the chip right and it's like um he has the footage the surveillance footage of the attack that happened on him and the ai starts pointing shit out and it's like oh if you see in this thing and it zooms in really far and it's all like there's uh the this is his address and he's like all right and i'll go check it out and he got they they break in and he's like checking it out so uh, and your man comes be, home is he talk? i'm imagining his back talking is it something in his ear is it something in his vision like what's the, no because it's it? in his spine the thing is connected to his spine so, so he just hears brain. it yeah. yeah yeah no one else can hear it like um but he's like the guy whose house he's investigating comes home and it, it, but, but the, the other guy's ex-military so he starts kicking the shit out of him and the voice stem and it actually sounds like vega the ai from doom yeah, uh, from Doom 2016 is that type of voice and he's like uh, I can help you if you give me full control but I need your permission and the guy's trying not to choke and he's like permission granted he's like excellent and he just takes over and fucking annihilates the guy <laughs> but when he's doing it it's it's like it's almost like Neo from the Matrix the way he's fighting people but his face is like oh god oh what am I doing <laughs> like, there's even a point where he's trying to get information from a guy and he kicks the shit out of him and knocks him to the ground and he's holding a knife to him and then like he's like and he goes to cut him and he's like and he goes and he stops and Vega's like I can do it for you if you want you can just look away and he's like okay and he looks away and he's like and you get all these slicing motions and you can hear the guy screaming and blood just splattering up onto his face but he's not looking and then he's like great. he's like Vega stop Vega uh, sorry Stam stop Stam stop and he stops and he looks back and he's like oh god Oh and he's trying not to get sick <laughs> and everyone's just lying there covered in cuts and blood like. but it's uh, no it's actually it's quite a good film it was like really small budget it, it looked like it's basically the better version of Venom this year and it was oh, made by yeah, it was made I, did, I, didn't, I didn't bother to go see Venom and what 
it's interesting because like Blumhouse, it seems I see their little intro thing at the start of most of the movies that I enjoy these days. But yes. they're not it's not like a well known name that you see in about. So what 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 do they do exactly? They're they're basically they specialize in doing in, in like uh low budget but efficiently made films. Right, so, so they, they are they are just the production company that that are um, have cornered the market essentially for anyone looking to keep their budget uh, tight. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, they've done. Um, they started off with stuff like um, they did the Darwin Awards films and stuff like that. Right. Um, but their kind of first big one was uh, the Paranormal Activity films. Yeah. So Paranormal Activity was their like fourth fourth or fifth film. And they went on then to do um, Paranormal Two, Insidious, uh, Sinister. They did The Bay, which is a really messed up film. Um, uh, What else did they do? I'm just looking at here now. They did The Purge. I did enjoy Um, The Purge. Purge They're silly, but I enjoy them. Yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. Like, and and each one of these things, like the budget on them, right? So it's like they did the for the first Paranormal Activity budget fifteen thousand dollars gross revenue one hundred and ninety three point four million dollars wow that's insane like they I, specialize in just doing these incredibly small budget films that are incredibly well written really tight really like you know well developed well written and it's a case of like they're more willing to take the chance on people who it's like their first time directing or their first time writing or yeah. because it's like they're not hu- sinking a huge budget into it um the, I, find, I find their that, stuff very formulaic but I and I went off them completely I was like I hate this fucking formulaic shit and then I watched a bunch of really bad horror movies and I went, do you know what I'm going to give them another chance and their stuff is so competent and so tight mm. that I really yeah. can't hold it against them like they also did um, they're like they're also more willing to do um, like a lot of a lot of uh, film companies the bigger film companies even an established director could go to them and go I have this script I have these actors who are willing to be in this script mm. here is this and they look at it and they go it's not going to make enough money. We don't, we're not interested. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is what happened with Black Klansman, the Spike yeah, yeah. with yeah. Adam Driver in it and all that. Like that's a Blumhouse film, because right. they were like, nah, it, it won't break a hundred million, so we're not going. Yeah, yeah. And Blumhouse it's, did it for fifteen million. Miram- I was kind of Miramax back in the day, so I'm glad that somebody's taken up that mantle. Mm. Yeah, and it's that's the thing. It's they they they're basically just trying to. Well, the reason Miramax isn't doing it so much anymore is because of fucking. Touchy McGropey or whatever his name is, oh, that's uh, right. Har- Harvey Weinstein. Uh, yeah, but like they, that's they just they did they just have a thing where it's like, yeah, some of, some of their films when they come out they don't do that well. They do like fifty, sixty thousand. They're like it's mm. fine as a whole as a company. They're turning over millions in profit every year, tens of millions. Yeah. I mean, if you've made over a hundred million off the back of a fifteen grand budget, that will fund a lot oh, more yeah. fifteen grand budget movies. Yeah, like I mean, it's. That, it seems to be their defining logic where they basically go okay cool we we, did, we made this film and they did split that was another one. Oh, oh that was good yeah. and they're doing glass and like so like and so split was, split was a budget of nine million and it made nearly 300 million oh, like yeah. this is the, it's these type of things where they go like but like i think that the, the initial premise was okay they made all this money and they were like what do we do with this it's like well we could retire <laughs> But yeah. we like making movies. Yeah. So what instead, if every time a film, if a film breaks, I think it's, if it, once it goes over a certain percentage of its original cost, so I think if it makes its money back, say, say it costs 10 million. Once it goes over 20 million, then all profit after that is split in two and half of it goes back into developing future projects mm. uh, before the other half is distributed out. So it's a part of the deal that you sign with them is like, yeah, this film might take off and might be huge, 
but you're not necessarily going to get all the box office returns on this and neither are we this is going to go into well like we get it but we use it specifically to drive further mm, movie yeah. development um so i think also that new uh they they did get out they and yeah. I, um uh they i think they're also involved in jordan peele's new and us Mm. so that that like the they just seem to do a really good job of picking these but like i said i looked through the list there and like it seemed maybe a quarter of them i didn't recognize mm. and like some of them were like that it only did like sixty thousand. and i'm like okay mm. well you know that one was probably a loss but the same the same week halloween came out and that did 300 yeah, yeah. and you're like seems seems fine and i had so, that on my list as well i really liked the new halloween movie because it kind of played with your um expectations as in they took the the typical teenage girl fighting off the killer and then just turned her into like an alcoholic badass militia woman who's been preparing <laughs> yeah. for his release the whole time it was like wow that's that's interesting yeah it's it's at least interesting and i enjoyed the film yeah so, you know. yeah but no yeah. upgrades are very good and i would recommend it and i just i just think that like it's it, like blumhouse seems to be they're like those guys now that i will check out their films every time yeah. because they've consistently put out stuff that well i don't always go that's great i go well this is this is different and there's so yeah. many first-time directors and first-time writers i'm like i'm glad someone is doing that yeah. i'm glad someone's there and is willing to fund and give these people a platform on so a, on a complete opposite note of like a ridiculously overblown stupid movie my least favorite movie of the, of the year was um ready player one and it was just don't don't get me started please uh, we, we, we can gloss over it. i literally watched it because i saw a, a clip of the shining sequence and i was like oh that looks so good i just i want, just want to see that bit but i started watching it from the start and it is to, like for the blumhouse guys to be able to do so much with so little be so yeah. tight be able to make use of everything like mm. you and like just keep a really tight narrative that was ready player one was the worst fucking thing i've ever seen it i it, just I think I hate the the Jurassic World movie more just because every time I think about it, I think of some new stupid fucking thing that doesn't make any well, sense. Yeah, but my, my the other good film of this year for me. Um, so we had a one of my favorite films of all time is Sicario from twenty fifteen, mm. and I did the sequel this year, which is actually really bad. So I'm just going to say one of my favorite films of this year was Sicario, even though that was twenty fifteen. <laughs> it continues to be one of your favorite. It continues films. to be one of my favorite films because yeah. the, the new one came out, and I'm like, I'm just sticking my fingers in my ears, going, "That didn't happen. Yeah. That, that was shit." I was seeing so, the ads for the sequel, and I'd never seen the original, and uh, I was wondering, like, what what is this about? Is this just a film that I missed because the the ad for the the sequel didn't really grab me or anything? I just mm. didn't know anything about it. But the first movie is good. The first movie fantastic. is hands down one of the best films ever made. I think it does. It has. It's a Dennis Villeneuve film, um. So who's done like Prisoners? He did The Arrival. He did Blade Runner twenty forty seven, mm. um. And it's basically about the uh, the FBI and the CIA's war with the drug cartels, uh, the Mexican drug cartels. But it's one of those films where. It is beautifully shot. It's dialogue and the way it tells the story is just so well done. Mm. And it's all, it's pretty much all told from the perspective of Emily Blunt's character, but she's not in the second film, but it's told from her perspective in the first one. And um, she's essentially a special, she's a, an FBI SWAT team leader. And they uncover this like horrible situation. They're trying to cover, uh, like uh, find the people responsible and deal with it. Um, Josh Brolin's character is like the CIA liaison who's like putting together a special task force and shit to deal with mm. it. 
and it was one of those things that get yeah like that like I, th- I think i read about it and i was like yeah sounds kind of all right and then i watched it and i was like this is beautiful and like it's really yep. well shot and then there's a scene in it which is the exact opposite of a car chase and it is one of the most tense things i have ever watched i have seen that yes what's the opposite of a car chase is it it's a traffic jam parking? Oh, it's a traffic jam it's, it's basically at the u.s mexico border patrol uh, border crossing and they're coming in and they're in the convoy and they have a prisoner and there's like cartel members sent after them to try and retrieve the prisoner and they, they they're basically like you know red sedan two lanes to our left eight o'clock and they're like and they realize that they're about to be ambushed and them having to try and talk to them so like they, it's not just they start shooting they get out and they're like they converge on the car and they're pointing their guns at them oh. and they're like you put the weapons down we'll leave you the fuck alone yeah and there's like and there's this massive sense of tension because the majority of people are sitting in their cars and then it's just it breaks out around them yeah so yeah, yeah, it, it, it's incredibly well done it mm. is legitimately one of the best films I've ever seen um, I cannot say it, enough good things it comes up again and again as one of people's like favourite films and I it is a wide swath of mostly male if I admit it guys I know will call it one of their favourite films mm. yeah have you watched it yet Johnny? nope I just watched the car the car chase scene the anti-car yeah. chase yeah okay I keep uh, telling I've Johnny s- to watch it and I'm like you'll, you'll love this and he's like okay Johnny have you watched The Wire yet? no I haven't watched The Wire I'm waiting until I break failure. my leg uh, <laughs> I need I genuinely Kev, need to be bed bound I'm not starting just, something just snap <laughs> the shin there would you like <laughs> Snap his shin, hand him the box set, Merry Christmas, and walk like. <laughs> Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. There's an ad going around with Kevin McAllister. Uh, it's an ad for Google Home or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And him it. And somebody said, it doesn't make any sense because why would like that thing, unless you just realise he's just killed his family. Like, what? And he's like, just watch it again. And you watch it, and he's like, Mom, Dad? And he looks around and he goes, Guess I'm all alone. And you're like, Oh my God, he just killed his family. <laughs> <laughs> I'd actually do Macaulay Culkin he has his own satire site and it's actually really good there's a bit where he he as you know as himself interviews the swarm of bees from my girl it's fantastic (laughs) that is pretty good I did I did see him on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast and it was interesting in that it wasn't at all what I expected it to be he's actually Um, he seems incredibly down to earth he does he does also like a bit of a weirdo but more a lot more down to earth than I would have thought well that's what I mean like compared to the diversion that we see in tabloids and shit over the years he just comes across as a guy who's yeah he's led an interesting life and he just kind of knows how to have fun with it and you're like okay this is cool so um, but yeah best games any games this year that you've enjoyed anything that you people mine's, mine's a real obvious one um it's god of war it was it was mm. a great fucking game i'm a big fan of the god of war series um you know I loved, I loved all the yeah i loved, I loved the original ones and the one issue i had with the new god of war like for me it was it's still i think the best game i played this year but um it wasn't a god of war game it was a good game mm. wasn't a god of war game it just because the other it's games had a certain style like the camera was totally different yeah, um, wide expansive arena camera. Yeah, yeah, the environment was different. Um, you know, all the the combat was was very different as well. It was a lot more vicious in the old games. This felt a bit more toned down. Like there was a lot of vicious shit, but just nowhere near as, as what it used to be. Um, in, in so the actually, games. here's a question then, like, because I, I, I like when this came out and I was like, people were raving about it. I was like, I want to know what Kev thinks because I know how much you love mm. the series. Yeah. Do you and, think and, 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 that the changing the game this much from the original template actually w- works more in its favor? Because if they had changed one or two things and tried to keep the rest the same, it might not have clicked as well. 
by by essentially reinventing the whole thing and putting Kratos into it. It's like we're like we're still telling his story, but now it's evolved into a whole new thing. Yeah. Like, do you think that's actually benefited the, the game more? Um, I think yeah. I mean, it definitely benefited the game more if they tried to just if they just changed the camera. I mean, it would have just kind of been shit. You know what I mean? Like every mm. everything that they changed to make it feel like a different game worked really well for mm. the game that they created. Right? Um, I think the only problem I have is that I'd love to play another God of War game. You so, know, and, I don't, and with the success of this thing, I yeah. don't think they won't ever go back. Right? So you know? well, I was gonna say yeah, this. Maybe. The big seismic shift for me was uh, going to Resident Evil Four, mm. where suddenly it mm. was over the shoulder cam it was third the person yeah. yeah it was completely different the way they were doing it yeah. and it wasn't the like it wasn't resident evil 2 was the last big one for me before it went to 4 and it was a, like an em- element of comedy and stuff in it nearly um and i do, from there i was like this is so different and it, it, they're not even zombies they're las plagas like they they yeah. changed so much fundamentally that i was like oh i wonder if they can ever go back cuz i don't think i could even go back and play 2 yeah, yeah. having played one that flows a bit better yeah. then they did 6 and um 5, five and 6, and six. And those yeah, no, were, it's, it's it's every they they do a trilogy then they reinvent yeah so then, they do they a did, numbered trilogy because they yeah. do their side games but they do a numbered trilogy then they reinvent which i can kind of like i kind of appreciate that that they like I, no. that feels like a goal that they've set themselves from early on I was it, like it didn't that. seem apparent at first but it feels now after seeing the resident evil series evolve over 20 years it yeah. does feel like they, they've, they're doing that on purpose and one of my things I mean, the, new, the new what was it uh, RE7 the first person one the first so yeah, that number, was really interesting I they, really enjoyed that it was really good it, it, again super super interesting they completely changed again and now they're remaking Resident Evil 2 and it looks more like Resident Evil 2 it looks like that kind of thing yeah, yeah. with a little bit of four sprinkled it, in yeah it's a graphical pass it's a graphical and engine update but yeah but, it, but, it's, but it's yeah but it's more than uh, um you know, just putting in high def textures or something like it. They, I think it's a. I think they're going to reinvent it. It's yeah. It's it's like a much it's, much bigger than just you know polishing up an old game. All I want to know is my it. tofu secret game still there. When I clear <laughs> Resident Evil Two, can I play as a yeah. giant tofu bar again? It'll be because if not, fuck that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, look, the, the thing about it that that it just makes me wonder is that, and it was the same with, with Resident Evil Seven was kind of a you know should they even have tied this to the franchise? Should they have just come up with new characters? Like, shouldn't mm. they just have gone? full Norse mythology with God of War and had a new character. It I didn't need to be Kratos. I think I it did. Yeah. I think it did because Kratos is so well known and players know his reputation. Oh, from a that, marketing point of view, yeah. Well, no, 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 not even from a marketing Like, I actually think it affects the storytelling in that he is, con- like, the whole thing where he does not want to tell the, the his kid that he's a god. Yeah. And, and technically that makes his son a god. And it's this whole thing of, like, you know, that he he doesn't want to say it to him. He doesn't want to tell him. And it's, but you know, you're already in on it. And mm. you didn't have to be explained this. You automatically buy into that. And yeah, that whole thing of, point. like, the, like, when he loses his second wife, he, or, you know, essentially his second wife, and he loses, he's at risk of losing his family again. Yeah. And this whole thing where he's almost trying to restrain himself from how violent he is. And okay, spoiler, it's been out six months, so I don't give a shit at this point. But when he finds the blades again, or when he digs up the blades, mm. and that very much is like, to me, that's like the bit in, in Unforgiven when William Money is, decides he's going to go back out and start killing people again. Yeah. It's, the, it's, the, it's the like, okay, you've pushed me this far, so fuck you, I'm going all out. And that I mean, was, that bit, that, you know, that bit was fucking deadly. Like, I mean, but that's no, what I mean, no and it wouldn't have idea. had that impact if yeah, it wasn't no, Kratos. Right. Yeah, like, so yeah, I think it was. Yeah because you were bringing in a character that was so well known people were automatically able to fill in a lot of the blanks and they could tell more of the story without saying something 
It could yeah, be yeah. a grunt or a, or a facial expression or a look. And because you automatically know all of Kratos' backstory, you're like, yeah. okay, yeah, that's a reference to, you know, and it's people like, can infer their own parts. Like, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah but, that, but that, that's, anyway, that was kind of top game for me. The most satisfying thing I think ever was just fucking that giant axe at a thing <laughs> and then recalling it. <laughs> it was just deadly. Like. There, there's a whole YouTube series about why the, ask, uh, why the axe feels so satisfying. Yeah. Uh, and like the the everything they do and i'm like okay like the the haptics of it like without without actually a thing rumbling seeing it hit something and they were saying they just had it drag the tiniest bit yeah. that when you hit it, someone's skull it doesn't cleanly slice through it just clip like it just drags for a split second and then cleanly slips yeah. kind of goes through yeah and it impact. just feels like yeah. you've made that impact and, and the sound as well i mean the sound of it gives it that drag mm. feeling as well yeah. like and, and they just they they really executed that perfectly and there's someone somewhere right now making a thor game trying to yeah. trying to duplicate that trying to do exactly and making a buzz of it you know? yeah um, yeah for for my games uh i've been really enjoying watching you play sea of thieves all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> watching watching that like because it's it's a game where i'll never get the time to like really put in all the all the effort but just watching you and vin or whoever you're, you're playing yeah. with at the time freaking out doing everything in real time is super entertaining watching you having to run and drop an ankle and wind things and yeah, bucket yeah, yeah. waters out to the window it is the perfect uh, streaming game because you there's no shortcuts i don't see you quick do something and then like there's a magic force field around you i see you flintlock load a fucking weapon yeah, yeah shoot yeah. a dude it's it's a good game it's it's um i like you say you don't think you have the time the like your character doesn't level up there's factions that you can increase your reputation with and the higher they get the better stuff you oh no sorry the fancier stuff you can buy but it works exactly mm. the same as stuff a lot of there's no non-cosmetic progression in that game and i love it for that there's a thing that when yeah. you get level 50 with the three starting factions you unlock a new area and a new vendor but it doesn't change how you play the game yeah. and i kind of like that because it means that like you could get into it now the game's been in six months you are in no way shape or for, uh, uh, form form better like behind anyone else in, honestly, in in terms of skill or capability yeah. honestly if i had a bigger ship like if i started it with better stuff i bet i'd just be more of a target i think i would rather just start as a little sloop and <laughs> do do things yeah um, maybe like it's uh two games that came out this year was uh the friday the 13th game uh, and i went over to my friend's house to play it and uh we were kind of playing it it's shite i cannot believe it came out this year very, no, de de dead by dead by daylight is and then dead by daylight came out which was the the, the twinsies version of it they, yeah. they both came at the same time and dead by daylight is not only so much better but immediately started licensing every other like because it started off with like the bad guys were called the hunter and the the witch yeah, and yeah, things yeah. like that they're just the generic and stuff yeah and then they started um uh, licensing Freddy Krueger and oh, really? uh, yeah so they, they've they pretty much gotten everyone else now they didn't get Jason um, but they did get Mike Myers they got the girl from Jigsaw with the pig mask no, yeah. and she's like the creepy silent one and it's so good uh, and it's such a fun one to again watch people play um, but at this stage I think the Friday the 13 guys could just wrap it up and be like oh just we just stop our one and just put it Jason yeah. the other one and like oh that would be so much handier at this point I remember when that came out and I was thinking like this could either be fucking amazing or or just a disaster and i was watching streamers and i was like ah it's a disaster yes <laughs> yeah with that, the, with the friday the 13th one the, the dead by daylight one though just i think because dead by daylight wasn't sticking to one particular franchise so it wasn't mm. happening where the, I, I guarantee you at no point in any meeting 
were they sitting there and going, we have this idea for a mechanic and someone would go, but Jason Voorhees can't do that. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, so it, it, they were able to just have whatever felt fun. That's what would be really interesting about Freddy because if he could if he could pull people into a dream world, he could do all sorts of crazy he, shit. Right? Yeah, he can. He is one of the ones that disappears and reappears. So like he can only appear in certain instances. Mm. Um, but I think that is another thing. If I'm watching people play and a monster shows up and it's he's a giant with glass stuck everywhere in him, and they're like, "Who the fuck is that?" Yeah. yeah <laughs> because they've still got a bunch of generics in there. Yeah. And yeah. they start sprinting, and then a bell starts ringing. They're like, "What the fuck does the bell mean?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, "I love this. This is the best." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Um, that was really good. I, I've just got a switch as well because I'm I'm going to be on long flights over to America soon, uh, and I started playing Mario Kart again. And Mario Kart was my game back in the day. And I'm playing at like on 50cc and then 100 and 150 and it feels like tourist mode. I'm just driving and I don't see the other drivers. They're behind me somewhere. <laughs> if, I see, if I see one in front of me, it's because I'm lapping them. Like, it's just like, ah, I remember this. I was playing on the Wii U and I mean, it's basically the same game, yeah. right? And it's uh, really, really good. Yeah. I mean, it's still just like, like every, you know, first party Nintendo game. Yeah. Super polished, really, really nice to play. They've added the 200cc mode, so it's now again that necessitates breaking, and I'm like, oh, this, like, again, so much fun. I can usually win, but I can still fuck up and completely destroy a, a lap. I didn't like the online play, though, because you couldn't, I know at one point anyway, you couldn't select what CC you wanted to play at online. Like, you'd get into a game and be like, ah, this one's 100, ah, this one's 150. There must be some way to do that. Yeah, I know, because I know it was the same with the new Smash game came out. Like, you couldn't say, I only want to play 1v1 standard battle. You could say, These, this is my preference. But they just put you in whatever oh, random game. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Now I don't somebody, know. If, somebody I don't know if they did that. I don't know if they did that for launch. Um. Well, no, they have a whole separate battle arena oh, thing. Okay. But if you just go into the matchmaker, I'm wondering if for launch they didn't make it all one v. They didn't allow everyone to do one v one because because it would just overhead, always be yeah yeah right. Whereas it's much easier to just put four people in a single yeah, yeah. A single that game. makes sense. Uh, but Nintendo both been shit with their online stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. The the Smash Brothers online is just a clusterfuck at the minute because it's like. You can choose. I prefer pro style. Pro style is no weapons, yeah. so, and on the and the pro level of the stage because the stages have yeah. different evolutions. So there's like a pro level of the stage, which is usually once the base platform and three arranged in a triangle, yeah. um, or you can have fun mode, which is like the casual version. And it's like in yeah. a lot of games where you see ranked and unranked, ranked and casual. It's just. But the problem is, is that like casual. you pick you pick your mode that you want to do, and then you hit find game and someone actually checked it the system then completely ignores your preferences and finds the best connection for your game that's brilliant yeah so it's like why the fuck is this choice even here because you're just going to put me into a into the, the one that has the best connection for me like. I, I, I think i think it just seemed it was probably like i said much more of a perception thing that they wanted yeah. to do a launch they didn't want lag they didn't want all that stuff because people would be complaining about this but for anybody just randomly jumping on wanting to play online mm. they probably care a little bit less about that than they do about not finding a game and having a laggy yeah i don't know like if it's, it's like you go into a game think about think of the experience of like i, I want to play and i'm going to play fun and they go in and they play fun and every game they play is fun and they might have to wait a bit longer for a game but every game they play is fun mm. but you get a guy now who's or you get some kid who's going to go in and go, i'm going to play fun and they click fun and then they get paired against like fucking Leffen from TSM the, one of the best Smash <laughs> players in the world who's searching for a pro game and he just murdered eight dumpster fucks them out the, at the level and it's like see you later hope you had fun they, and they're like they, well that was my first experience of playing this online that was bullshit 
I think they have sort of the ranking their MMR stuff in the background. I think they have sorted that out now, and it's starting to get a bit better. But this yeah, but imagine from, on launch day, like, streamers. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. On launch day, it's like someone goes in, and it's like, oh look, a pro. Whoops! I, I want to be it. Pikachu. Yeah. What happened to Pikachu? <laughs> yeah, 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 Pikachu can get in a fucking box, like, and it, it's just yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. games from this year, I, it's not tech. Well, I have a few here, just but like, just to quickly mention, like. It's not technically out this year, but the one I started playing a lot this year, and it's, it's still nearly access, um, is Escape from Tarkov. Mm. I've been playing it back since January. It's If anyone doesn't know it, it's a first-person only, a hyper-realistic um, uh, military shooter. Mm. So, like, a single bullet can kill you. Yes. Um, if done right, you have to maintain um, your gear between rounds. So, like, you go on these little mini raids into areas, and it's like you all spawn in and you can only stay there for a certain amount of time before radiation will kill you so you have to like clear through the area and leave but then there's ai in the area but then people can also spawn and take control of the ai so if you go in as an ai any gear you get out with you get to keep but your character doesn't gain any experience mm. um, you can only complete missions when you go in as your pmc character and um, but like ai guys could be coming left right and center so could the pmcs and pmcs are better geared and stuff it's just a great game and i i, I like playing it but uh the more kind of I, I it's I don't think it'd be accessible for most people. It's just it is a very, very, very I, difficult type of game. Like, yeah, I think it's a very this particular is what, type. I think this is what will kill PUBG is that Fortnite split off in one direction and went a lot more casual and fun, and then Tarkov exists now and is a well, lot more. Yeah, maybe like, there's been like the the publisher or the the game studio has made a couple of like, um, PR clusterfucks recently, but like, that's uh, you know. They don't really care about PR. They're just like we're here to make the best game we can. And for a game that's made entirely in Unity, it looks amazing. Like so. Yeah. And um, but the, the yeah. other ones I would recommend that kind of everyone could try is uh, Dead Cells. Yes. Um, sixteen yeah. bit roguelike, um, very fun game to play. Very colorful, very bright. Just plays super well. Feels really good. Feels like playing one of the old Shinobi games, but as a roguelike. Mm. Um, Celeste, which is made by the guys who made Terrafall Ascension. Celeste's pretty pretty great. Yeah. Um, really, really good. A really tight platformer, like really, really Yeah. Tight um and then one was uh and it only came up to me because I was thinking about this earlier and it was at first it didn't jump into my list because I, I, I it technically came out December last year. Um I didn't play it till January, but when I played it, it's a type of game that you can only do a playthrough, you know, once every year or two maybe, and the playthrough mm. is only a couple of hours, is Goro Goa. Hmm. So it's called G-O-R-O-G-O-A. Pretty much right. developed by one guy um, who's not a game dev. And he has made a game that I can 100% say is unique. There is nothing that exists like it out there. So in Gorgo, you, you might have like a scene, there's a doorway. You can then, and like somebody walks into the doorway, for yep. example... You can then drag the doorway, and what it does, the doorway comes off as a frame that can be pulled somewhere else, and now you have the room that they've walked into. And nice. you can move that around, zoom in on a part, and then pull the doorway back to create a doorway for that person to walk through in a yeah, solid wall. Yeah. Cool. And it's like it's it, it it'll it's weird to see it in operation. There yeah. are several times when I was first playing, I was just like, "What the fuck?" When the when, just because it's so simple. Yeah, in, like in theory, it sounds so simple in its execution, but when you play it, it is so impressive how well it's done, and it's just this—it's a—it's just a puzzle game that tells a story, 
there's no dialogue in it it's all just through images and sound and um it's a remarkable game i think it's on sale at the moment in the christmas sale it's also on switch um and you could probably get it you could probably get it for like a tenner um Nintendo really seem to embrace the whole indie scene, which is cool. They call them they call them nindies. Oh god! Yeah, it doesn't make me happy, but I can see why they do it. I can't. I wouldn't (laughs) tell them to stop, but I I need them. I need them to know that I don't like it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Did I have one more? TV? Any TV from this year, or how did you you see it? One more. Uh, That's something I was going to mention. Hang on. Do 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 do. no, I can. Do, we'll go over to TV. Um, I was listening to a podcast, a last podcast on the left uh, series on the West Memphis Three, and I'm all I'm always really into the Satanic Panic, and just everything that was going on at that time, and the fact that these kids were locked up because one of them was into heavy metal, and one of them was a prick, and one of them was a little bit slow, but they were all labelled as Satanists. That's like the three of us. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Cheers for that. <laughs> I like to figure out who's who. Uh. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a little too close to home now that you say. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that that is probably why, uh, as as a lifelong prick and metalhead, <laughs> um, it is uh, very interesting. So I've been super interested watching the new Sabrina. <laughs> Uh, I didn't watch it. My girlfriend watched it. Yeah, she really enjoyed it. It's it is good. It is. It's the it's same. It's weird seeing Hilda and Zelda, but not Hilda. And yeah. Zelda. You know, so that, this, that made me a bit uncomfortable. I didn't know that the Sabrina comic was the, in the Archie comics. It's from Archie, so that's oh, really? why when they redid Archie as Riverdale and did it as like sexy Archie, yeah. um, they then the next thing they said was, "Hey, we've got the Sabrina comic as well. You can absolutely reboot that." Um, I mean, it makes total sense as well, though, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, to do it, but in a more adult kind of dark way. I mean. It, to me, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I, someone reminded me that they did Sabrina, and then they tried to do like Sabrina the college years. Um, yeah, yeah, the college years were awful. We don't, the, we don't talk about the college years. Really. Melissa Joan Hart is so weird. She's the most attractive person I know who I don't find attractive <laughs> because I grew up watching Clarissa, and she's too sisterly to me. Yeah. She, it's the, she's the exact opposite of Tilda Swinton. Yes, <laughs> the great <laughs> confuser, the, the most uncanny looking person who I find so attractive. I was like, "Hello, yeah, <laughs> I want to kiss you, but I'm afraid like, you'll steal my bones." <laughs> like, Tilda Swinton's in this film. Is she hot? I, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Okay, um, I, after you watch the film, well, was she hot? I, I don't know. <laughs> I was aroused yeah. at some point. Yeah. You know, it's Tilda Swinton. <laughs> she gave me feelings, um, but the. The new Sabrina show leans so hard into the Satanism that it it twenty years ago would have been they would have brought it to court yeah. like it would have been like when Judas Priest or whoever had to stand in front of people and say that he wasn't making people commit suicide. But but, but they presented in kind of a Judas Priest isn't the dude. But yeah, but <laughs> Rob they, Halford. They presented in quite a positive light though. Like the Satanism Satanism in it isn't bad no it, it's, well, it, it's more like this is our culture this is our heritage yeah. right you know this, on the, this is what we do and we're okay people on the one hand that's how they do it <laughs> but on the other hand like this satanism that they present uh they like they refer to him as the dark lord mm. they have a goat creature appear in front of someone who then kneels down and kisses his hooves they have the baphomet statue and stuff yeah. but they also make it very clear that they do really bad shit like that would be socially acceptable and it, they, they, uh, this aunts Hilden's other work as embalmers, 
Yeah. And at one point they make a joke about cutting strips off one of the guys. I think, you know, so it's, it's too bad they wanted to open a uh, casket. We could have cut a few strips. It's been so long since we've had long pig. And like, oh, so wow. you're cannibals. Wow. And like the the running jokes that they have through it like that is that's they don't see this stuff as bad or good. This is just their culture. And like you, the viewer, either catch it and go, what the fuck? Or it just goes over your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, there's so much Satanism in it that I'm, I, I was sitting at home going, what the fuck? How are you getting away with this? Um, sitting on your Necronomicon cushion. Yes, sitting, sitting, just doing a Hellraiser cube while I'm watching it going, well, this really is too much. <laughs> um, but no, it is super, super good fun. Yeah, I think my, my TV one, because like, um, I was saying to Johnny earlier that a lot of the TV I watched this year wasn't from uh, 2018. Yeah. But the one thing that really stands out was a Netflix show um, based on a book I think I haven't read the book um, The Haunting of Hill House oh, that was mm. really good really enjoyed that um, what I really liked about it is that there's only one I think jump scare that I remember and it comes really late on but right. there's again it, there's a lot of tension um, really really well executed and you know it, it does the whole kind of hey we're growing up now and we're flashing back to when we were younger but but it does it really well I think and they break the episodes into kind of each episode looking at a character and I kind of yeah. like that format so I'll, that that show really worked for me I'll have to go back and watch it and watch the first episode and I got so angry that the casting director clearly had a boner for brunettes <laughs> because everyone in it it looks exactly the same and then when they flash back everyone in that era also looks like a white dark haired brunette woman I'm like oh my god this is all the same woman who the fuck is this woman that you clearly have a crush on you fuck but th- this is interesting because I was watching the casting going man they did an excellent job on the casting because they really look like sisters like they really look like yeah. yeah I mean I guess that's what they were going for and but it it I was staring at it going this better pay off in some way like there yeah. better be a mistaken identity and all they have to go on is a brunette woman and then it has to be to the, for the story and I won't spoil it for you but, but no Oh, it, it, just I, I, white people all look alike to me this has come up before <laughs> um, now my TV series from the year I've talked about it before is just uh, Alter Carbon I don't mm. watch TV here because it's all in Thai so mm. any TV I do watch is on Netflix but Alter Carbon was the the series again it's another one based on a book mm. and um, yeah it was just a series that I, I thought was really well done was that three um, Netflix picks? yeah 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 think so yeah i mean like th- i think that's the thing as well it's just better suited to to most people like uh, could you imagine having to go back to sit down at the same time every week to watch something so yeah. i mean the real winner of 2018 is netflix i guess right yeah mm, maybe maybe yeah. we'll see i know th- there's a lot of shite on there as well but you know it's uh, I, I, averages yeah i remember the thing i was going to say about games real quick i went back and played fortnite just knowing i was doing this episode i was like i've never played it before in my entire life i might as well oh, see yeah. Might as well see what the crack is. And I was running around going, oh, I don't get it. <laughs> this is a terrible game. And it looks bad. Like Yeah. It was I, meant to run on the toaster. They're taking the World of Warcraft approach that yeah, Wild did back in the day. You, you, everyone's going for like, oh, it looks amazing. It's realistic. It's like, no, just make it look like it, it could run on a Commodore 64 and then everyone can play it. Yeah, it's a hardware-friendly art style, yeah. right? And, you know, I think, yeah. I think they do well for what it is. Yeah. yeah. I just, I got, you can attach balloons to yourself so you can float up in the air. And I was like jumping over the entire map like that, just looking down and like going, that is a shitty looking map. Mm-hmm. Now, if you say that to me and it's just supposed to be a step up from Minecraft, that's fine. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, to be fair, this is, it's an Epic Games game, an Epic own and make the unreal engine so you know they can make it look better yeah so it is in, it is a hundred percent a stylistic choice yeah that they were they were doing to appeal to as many people as possible and make it as playable as possible yeah because more than anything else when it comes to any shooter it's like that that game worked it's 
It reminds me of Team Fortress. Yeah, and that it's makes cl- sense. Clarity yeah. of information at a glance. What is my opponent using at a glance? What are they, what are they um, equipped with? What am I? What what type of damage can I expect to come towards me? That type of thing. Where are they? Is something moving in the distance? Can I see? And it? they did it in Overwatch as well, right? The the art style is quite simplistic and cartoony in that. Um, yeah. But but it's really well I'd, done, and that's the thing about Overwatch, right? I it's disagree. Really if you can put a giant yeah. panda head on, and suddenly you're breaking the silhouette. But. It's, <laughs> Uh, Overwatch yeah, they, Team didn't, Fortress. they didn't stick to the silhouette thing in in Overwatch. Team Fortress did. Yeah. Team Fortress. The, it was halfway through the design of Team Fortress Two. They got a new art director, and he was like, "Everything needs a unique silhouette. I need to be yeah. able to tell at a glance what everything is." Yeah. So, no, I I love that. That was he, the guy who did Pixar, uh, The Incredibles. Was that the same guy? Might have been. Would mm-hmm. make sense. Would um, definitely make sense why Mister Incredible looks like the heavy from Team Fortress. Yeah, yeah it does actually. actually yeah. Um. But, uh, or maybe they were just pulling from the same um, art style and the same kind of references. Anyway, I seem to remember that being a thing. And and the scout is Dash. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. Eh? He, well, he's, yeah. he's, he's got that cocky thing and, yeah. you know, yeah. All he needs uh, the Boston accent. <laughs> uh, cool. Will we do a, a speed round for looking forward yeah. to 2019? Well, what's, 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 your, what's your forward looking? Just do the three of them there, Johnny. What's your, what's your, what films are you looking forward to? Uh, Sonic. The Hedgehog. Everybody's talking about Detective Pikachu. I want to see the Sonic the Hedgehog so buddy movie. What's going on with his legs? Man. It's, it's so, so weird. weird. I really I'm, want to see it. I'm gonna. I, whatever happens, just Detective Pikachu is just gonna be Deadpool three. I have no fucking interest in it. Well, uh, uh, this I, is the thing. Detective Pikachu is something that's been around a long time. Just people didn't know about it outside Japan. Yeah. For the most part, and he's always had the like the being fully able to speak and all the rest. So. Yeah. I'm on uh, board with them doing it either way. Even before I found out it was Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, and I am. Um, Getting my girlish hopes up for Hellboy. I'm going to allow myself to... Because it's your man um, who's the cop in... David Arbor. Things. Yeah, David Arbor. Is this uh, a new Hellboy or another sequel? Yes, yeah, new, new Hellboy. Because Del Toro's not... De- Del Toro basically confirmed like three years ago, I'm not doing another one. I'm, I'm, we're not going back to do it. Yeah. Um, and then they announced that they were doing a new one, but it was brand new. And it sticks closer to the comics in the sense that everybody in the world knows he exists and no one really gives a shit. Yeah. Right, yeah. So like cool. he's very much just he can walk down the street and people are just like, "Yeah, it's Hellboy." Yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of it, like. I, I really want to be him in the trench coat walking and a ninja turtle to pass him with the everything pulled down to the trench coat <laughs> and the fedora. And just a little wave and he's like, "Hey boy." Um, I really, um, I, I'm not sure about it though cuz it was billed as being like, "Oh, we're going super gritty." And then you watch the trailer and you're like, "This is the same sense of humor as yeah. the other two. So seen why the trailer, isn't so. it just Ron Perlman? Maybe I'll just you know what I mean. Yeah, maybe I'll just watch the trailer and see what I feel. Daniel um, Day, Daniel Day Kim is in it though, and I, I think that's going to be good. No relation to Daniel Day Lewis. Um, he's the he was in Lost. He was in he's the main Korean guy in Lost. Mm. But he's um he's actually playing the the Asian ethnic character from the BPRD. Like so, it looks even like they're mm. going for the BPRD is more accurate. Okay. There has been no hint of Ape Sapien at all in the trailer, so we yeah, don't know true. if he's going to be in it or not. Um, yeah. But they do show off. Apparently, the, the 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 scale of destruction is a lot more um, monumental. Well, like you basically see a a thing that is ten or fifteen stories tall walking down the Thames, wrecking London Bridge. So that makes me happy. I, I assume so. <laughs> um, yeah. We'll. Um, I'm sure it'll come up once it comes out, but we'll probably see glass. Uh, yeah. 
that'll be fun uh, TV shows uh, I'm looking forward to Vikings season 6 because I'm going to be in it so that's going nice. to be fun cool. <laughs> uh, it'll just be me with a magnifying glass picking out a dude tripping in the distance going that was me <laughs> uh, but the actual uh, Jordan Peele is reviving the Twilight Zone yes uh, oh, so cool. that is something I'm really looking forward Definitely. to in 2019 um, love love the Twilight Zone love anthology horror and I think he because he's got the fame after Get Out um, I think they'll it'll bump it straight to the, the forefront yeah. games uh, three real quick ones uh, Death Stranding obviously I'm really looking forward to that's going to be super fun uh, Psychonauts 2 uh, yeah. I just wanted Psychonauts 1 on the Switch with maybe like a graphical mm. bump the fact that there's a Psychonauts 2 in the work makes me super super happy uh, and the one I'm really looking forward to is Control from Remedy uh, because it looks like I love Sam Lake I love him as a writer I love Max Payne I loved Alan Wake uh, and it looks like he's trying to do a take on Portal, <laughs> which makes me super happy. Uh, and I can already tell from the trailers that there's like a bunch of leftover Alan Wake ideas that just never got used because he had all sequels and stuff for, uh, in mind for that. And they're just showing up in this. Um, so it looks... It, have you ever read House of Leaves? No. Where it's the guys no. descending into this house. They found a door in the house that goes much deeper than it should. And everyone who goes in, it's different. And they find like it's proper labyrinthine. They're putting guys on ropes and they're descending for two months and coming back out and they can hear the house shifting and stuff. So it, it kind of has that feel of cosmic horror at mm. the smallest possible, like you're trapped in a um, cube that's doing weird stuff to you. Um, so that that's my one to watch. There was a film like that. It was, you're in a giant cube and there's lots of smaller cubes inside it and it was constantly shifting. Oh the yeah. Cubes were shifting Speed. around. Yeah. Speed yeah. two. Speed two. Yeah. <laughs> Cruise control. <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly where I was going. Like, <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Kev, what'd you got? Uh, yeah. So, most of my 2019 stuff is actually, I don't know if excitement is the word, it's more trepidation. Cu- well, curious as to whether or not they'll make a complete fucking balls of it or not, right? Yeah. So, right. movies, Pet Cemetery, love mm. the book. I'm a Stephen King fan, but that book in particular just. I don't know, I was reading it and you, you know when you're reading a book on the bus or something and something really devastating happens and you're just kind of looking around at other people <laughs> look at you just living your life as if nothing <laughs> just happened you know what I mean? How dare this you? This is fucking devastating and yeah. you're just sitting there on Facebook you prick. Uh, so that's, yeah, really excited about that one. Zombieland 2 is another one. Oh, I yeah. love zombie movies. I thought Zombieland was great. Like a comedy mm-hmm. zombie movie it's great. You know, Shaun the Dead also great. So more in that genre I'm just generally uh, excited for but again it's another one that could just fall completely flat so that'd be interesting i did have the uh pokemon detective pikachu pikachu detective on here just because i watched the ad and i was like wow that actually looks fun and uh, i thought that looked interesting uh for tv game of thrones obviously final season i like oh yeah that's That's, right that's gonna be interesting uh the passage is starting on the 15th of january here the passage is three books fucking amazing some Mm. some of the favorite books I've, i've ever read um that's also a kind of a they better not fuck this up sort of excitement um so yeah. it'll be interesting to see where they go with that because there's just they're, they're such big books there's a lot of content so mm. it's how they dice it up for tv is what's going to be interesting on that mm. one. um for games i've got a big hopefully here and this is because i want to buy a switch but yes. i've said to myself i will not buy a switch until they release mario maker so i'm hoping that they announce mario maker mm. this year for the switch and then i can buy one and play yeah mario kart and brawl and stuff like yeah that, or ultimate smash ultimate um there's last of us 2 which you know last of us is a great yeah, yeah. game so just generally that that uh you know looking forward to that one and then there's again on, on the subject of 
how are they going to fuck this up? There's the Final Fantasy VII remake. One of my favorite games of all time. The remake looks weird from what I've seen so far. And I'm like, right, that's not a remake. That's just something different. But I'm still, they still have my attention. Okay. So, I don't know. I'm interested to see where that goes. You're peaked. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's take us home, um, My films were just a uh, uh, glass yeah because yeah that's i mean like i fucking adored split when it came out and mm-hmm. everything i've seen of the glass film so far i'm just like i can't wait for this thing um avengers endgame i didn't see this is the thing i i haven't decided if infinity war is a good film or not yet because i want to see the second half of it i need to know like you can have a great setup but if that film isn't paid off then it doesn't make the first film good yeah, and because, Infinity you know War I mean? is interesting because I heard people complain. It's like, oh, how could they do that at the end? And it's like, well, no, they didn't do anything. It's just part one of a two-part thing. It's this is the movie equivalent of you know when you're in school and you write a crazy story at the end. You go, and then I woke up and it was all a dream. You yeah. know what I mean? That's this kind of just smacks of that. You know? Yeah. Oh, so we, I'm like, I, I'm not. I'm. I've over the since it actually came out. I've reserved judgment on Infinity War. I went saw. I went see it and I enjoyed watching it, but I don't know if it's a good movie yet. And I won't be able to even place it in the ranking of Marvel movies until I see the second one and I'm able to go, what's the second half of this story? What is the rest of this story? You know, right? yeah. So I am, I'm kind of looking forward to that just so I can finally make it my mind up on the other one. Mm. Um, I brought my mum to see the uh, Hobbit movie, the first Hobbit one. And like, uh, all the way through. And just as I was getting towards the end, mum just turns to me and goes, there's a, a dragon in this movie. Uh, not in this one what the fuck do you mean not in this one (laughs) (laughs) and I was like this is only the first half of the thing she's like Hobbit is a small ass book Johnny I was like don't look at me this is (laughs) I didn't make it Um, I have Hellboy here with a question mark because I'm not sure I'm honestly not sure Um, and I think part of that is just because Ron Perlman was so perfect for the role I know so I'm like uh, and Guimero del Toro like yeah. inside of his head pretty much is what Hellboy looks like so it's, it's interesting you know. I was just thinking about this because like the new Spider-Man movies with that the new Spider-Man guy what's his name the, the Tom Holland Tom Holland yeah it's like he is the perfect Peter Parker the other two that played him in the movies they were they were just shit Peter Parkers this guy is perfect as yeah. both Peter and Spider-Man and I was thinking like what happens when he grows up you know what I mean and then they have to move on to the, the next guy who's Peter not Spider-Man. going to be perfect yeah. because he can't be yeah. and we have yeah. it's just same with Professor X right and Magneto right yeah. who's going to play them next right because well they just, I mean like they were bold, so bold James McAvoy yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah like to be fair like McAvoy has done a very good job of it when you oh yeah to, I, for, like, for, for, sure, like. for the young guy but if I'm talking about more like you're looking at like a comic or whatever and then you see the film version it's like it's almost like he exists as a it's, human just to play that one, role yeah no right? that's the thing the one I'd be more worried about is who's the next Wolverine yeah, yeah, that's, that's the harder one to do. I, I think if they're going to do any further Wolverine, they're going to go down the route of uh, X twenty three. They're going, they're going to take it down that route rather than and then have the whole fucking, you know, like have to try and oh we we have to make Hugh Jackman look younger yeah. and yeah, all that yeah, bullshit yeah, yeah, like yeah. so. Um, and then yeah, the other one is the Electric State, um, the Simon Stalhag book, the mm. so Simon Stalhag sci fi uh. Uh, artist and author who like fucking adore and um, one of his books I kickstarted there end of 20 yeah end of last year end of um, 20 uh, 20 no it was actually further it was earlier back then that wasn't it no it was end of last year end of 2017 and um, he did this book called The Electric State and it's um, it's the same way did Tales from the Loop and and all those Mm. but it's a it's a standalone book and that tells a story and then you've like 
but like the story is mostly told through the visuals and there's little bits of it so that the license to that has been picked up by the Russo brothers oh, who do all the Avengers stuff and they're producing it and they're getting Andy Muschietti the guy who directed the It films to direct it that's good so I'm yeah, like that's this, a good this is like source material Oof. I very much like director I really like what he did with It and Russo brothers they do very good films so I'm like I want to see what they're going to come up with so I'm, I'm not sure if it's 2019 it's not confirmed for 2019 yet I mm. think they're basically like they're you know but it, the license was picked up earlier on this year um, games Gears of War 5 oh, yeah. uh, The Division 2 and Sekiro Shadows Die Twice the new one from From Software mm. so basically Dark Souls with ninjas yeah um, so that, that's no. there's a few there's a few oh. samurai games next year right? yeah but so there's, there's, the, there's at least the two software of software one is the yeah. one we care about right yeah, the From Software is the one or that's going to be like. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, yeah, and and the the one Doom I look forward Eternal. to more than anything is Doom Eternal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Doom Eternal is coming out next year, and I'm I'm going to be giggling like a schoolgirl for weeks playing that fucking thing. <laughs> um, and then TV wise, your man Simon Stalinhag, his Tales from the Loop series has been t- picked up by Amazon. Ah. So very interesting. I want to see what they're going to do with that. I hate when uh, stuff gets picked up by Amazon because I only have Netflix. Yeah, you're not going to see it. And then the other one is uh, True Detective 3. Oh, True Detective 3, that's right. I've actually never watched True Detective and I, I believe it is amazing. So mm. I must, I must the, I, I actually, actually, if you haven't watched it, can you do me a favour? Can you watch season 2 before you watch season 1? Each season is completely self-contained. Okay. They don't relate to each other in any way, shape or form. But a lot of people didn't like season two, and I think it's because of how good season one was okay. that they got their hopes up too much. So I want to mm. see if you could just watch them in the, in the reverse order. It will not affect the stories. You know, you're just going to watch yeah, the story, yeah. and the good story is a good story. But I'm intrigued to see what happens because yeah. it's, it's very hard to find someone who hasn't seen <laughs> at least one of the seasons. In the correct order. Can you watch them wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah can, you, can you do it backwards, please? Yeah, will I, will um, I watch the last episode first as well? And the first episode last? <laughs> I, I just w- started watching The Sinner and like that, I turned it on, I didn't know there was two seasons and it started season two and uh, as far as I can tell, they're not related because then I jumped back to watch season one. But I've watched a bunch of season two now and I was like, huh, they're uh, asking me to to make a lot of leaps of faith about this detective that I've never heard, <laughs> ever seen before. And it like dawned on me, I was like, I'm doing something stupid here yeah, because yeah, they're yeah. calling back to shit I don't know. There's a lot of backstory in season one of The Sinner, yeah, yeah. for sure. But, the, um, but yeah, the True Detective season three has, uh, I'm going to butcher his name here, unfortunately, uh, Maharshala Ali. Mm-hmm. Um, he was Cottonmouth in Luke Cage. He's in... Um, He's in a, he does one of the voices into the Spider Verse, but he what else? He's in Moonlight. He won an Oscar for Moonlight. Yes, um, another guy. And uh, what else? He's been in a, a load of other things, like incredible actors, uh, actor, actress, incredible actor. Um, he's Remy Danton in House of Cards. Oh yeah, very good. He is good. And um, he's one of the two main detectives in season three, so automatically I'm on board. Yeah, the, he, that, he that, that seems like a, a perfect role for him—a kind of a detective role. I think it mm. suits his his general presence. I think. Yeah, the way yeah, he like he's one of those um, actors who's just like, you know, okay, the story might not be great, but I can watch this guy yeah, for easily yeah. for ten episodes, twelve episodes of a of an hour long show, and still enjoy it. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's kind of the the other big thing I'm looking forward to. Actually, there's a we were talking about the Purge and the Blumhouse. There's a Purge TV show coming out. Yeah, I saw that. And they've done such different stuff with the different movies. Like the first and second movie are so different that I am super interested to see what they do with 
a long running mm. again it's all supposed to be set in one purge so they're doing a 24 yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, I think it's meant to be like it's it's not the first one because they've done that as a film but I think it's like the the it's the second one or something okay. I think it was rumored to be because it's like okay so now people know what actually happens and it's people trying to anticipate based on you know only one of these traumatic events has happened so far yeah and they're what's, trying what's to what's the bets that the first episode ends with the purge alarm going off and the second episode ends with the first kill of that purge oh yeah that's it they won't no they, they'll start the first episode and then they'll like cut forward and back because they'll have to get something in but do you think they hmm. I think in fact they might they might open straight with a kill they might open with the kill and then cut all the way back well you gotta hear the bet the alarm go first no so, I... because every film has always had the build up right we've always had the bit of like yeah. pre-purge tension right there's always been that sort of thing. I, think no, you're no. Right. I think i think we'll get the i think we'll get the alarm at the end no, the alarm I... will be a guy like or a guy or girl main character caught somewhere where they shouldn't be yeah, and the alarm yeah, goes yeah, off yeah, and they're like yeah. oh shit and that's no. the start of it like so that that's the end of the first episode but the first episode will start with a guy standing atop a school bus while 80 guys with hatchets run at him oh, okay. and then it'll I freeze yeah, yeah. and he'll look directly into the camera and go ah, I bet you're wondering how I got here <laughs> <laughs> and then it'll go back to him like shopping or something yeah it's, I, 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 I'm interested to see what they do with it I'd love if they if they do a complete like it's like it's absolutely nothing it's, it's set in the 11 months between you know or like the 12 months between the two purges it's just a training like, camp for people oh, purging getting ready to purge yeah, 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 but yeah. This is, what I want to see in the non-purge time of the year is the dudes in the office who've got this shitty sense of humor guys who aren't funny but trying to be he's like ha, maybe maybe next purge I'll kill you ha, ha. I was like fuck off Stephen <laughs> <laughs> no I was thinking more they might do like a rock star table tennis with it and it'll come out and it'll be just something completely different everyone's like we yeah. thought this was a joke and they're like no 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 this is 24 episodes of a table tennis tournament. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but that's what, that's what I really liked about the Purge in general. It's just that they seem, they, they have their idea of the Purge. That concept is a pretty straightforward concept and they're just happy to do anything with yeah. it. Like two different movies. They don't, they don't need to connect at all. The central premise is the same and it'll be the same for the TV show. And it's kind of like Simpsons Halloween episodes. Mm. You know what I mean? You can just kind of go a bit nuts with them. You know? That's, yeah. That is it. Uh, that's it they basically assume everyday life is the normal TV show that you think this is the crazy episode it's called The Purge and you, let's yeah. have a look uh, yeah. cool yeah so I think that's it that's everything that's past, present and future there you go indeed and yes. with the, we're regarding the future I'm sure we won't well, I'm sure we'll get at least half a season of some of those shows before the apocalypse starts so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. we'll see how uh, it goes and on that cheery note, remember to tell your friends about this lovely podcast. Um, that would be a lovely Christmas present to us. And uh, enjoy yourselves. Yeah, Happy Christmas. Take it easy. Cool. I still wave. Even though I know we're not <laughs> Hey, guys. One last thing. We're going to take a little bit of time off over Christmas, so Dystropia will return mid-January. Thanks for listening, and have fun.